Welcome to Thirst for Knowledge. My name is Steve, and my co-host here is Lawrence Harmon. Hi, Lawrence. Hey, Steve. How are you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Just uh, relaxing, ready to discuss this weekend legacy. So that should be fun. What are you? Uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> oh, the same thing as every week: tequila and some arbitrary soda. Um, I'm drinking decaf coffee because I'm old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just rec- I, I never understood the act of recreationally drinking coffee. Like, I know people who like will go to Starbucks or whatever, and they're just like, "Oh, I only go here to my local shop because it's good quality." And for me, coffee is just like there to serve a purpose. I need X amount of caffeine injected directly into my vein within this time period. Like, so decaf. I decaf mainline. I mainline three pots of coffee a day for about 25 years or so. So um, based on, you know, health issues that came up later on in my life, I decided that, you know, after uh, three o'clock, I'm going to have to switch to decaf. Like it's more now like an uh, habitual thing of drinking my decaf coffee instead of like serving a purpose. I can hear your tequila. Your, your, not tequila. Your, <laughs> my whiskey. Your, my whiskey. I can hear your kidneys crying right now <laughs> oh man oh that's good i can there i can hear them steve i can hear them just silently weeping as they process all that decaf well um speaking of decaffeinated we uh we had some plenty of caffeine injections to the legacy format this weekend with uh tons of events around the world yeah for sure there was a lot going on um Let's just dive in. Um, so there's the uh, team-constructed Star City. I believe it was in Richmond? Uh, yes, it was in Richmond. Um, a lot of people don't usually take this data for uh, any grain because they call it a constructed event. And, you know, basically people think because of the other matches that it inspires, like, I guess, or not uh, inspires, but it creates a falsehood on the it data. Does, like... It, it creates – you'll see decks do well. It, it's harder to metagame for a winner's metagame, right? Uh, because you could have a legacy player who is getting carried by their team, or you could have a team that's getting carried by their legacy player. So when you look at the team data, you have to view it with a grain of salt unless, like, uh, you know, a lot of, like, the players will post, oh, I went whatever an X over the course of the weekend. And that's how you kind of get your data of how good a deck is to a degree. But you aren't looking at how a deck does through an established winner's metagame or versus other people who are doing well, right? Um, well, I actually, I actually look at it as an opportunity to see some of these uh, grinders that play Magic more often than, you know, franchise legacy players even what deck would they pick in an open legacy metagame? Uh, I mean, it's always the same thing, right? It's either, like, SCG pushes narratives uh, because their whole thing is building storylines. And um, when it comes to legacy tournaments, throughout this year, we had the period where they were like, oh, man, three dudes showed up and got camera matches with Death and Taxes. That deck must be really good. And then we got, oh, man, four dudes showed up with, or, like, people wrote an article about Blue Red Delraby. That deck must be really good. SCG tends to just latch onto something and push it as a story. 
And that gives you a good baseline because if Blue Red Delver does well, you get to go, oh, yeah, Blue Red Delver is great, like we said. And if it does well, you get to go, oh, X deck is the Blue Red Delver Slayer. You get to create narratives across the format. So it's they kind of just, like, push the ideology, and it's less a matter of, like, the grinders particularly playing the format. And more often than not, from my interactions with some of the grinders and from what I've seen, it's usually just somebody said X deck was the best deck in Legacy, so they played it. When Bob Hong was crushing with his Griff Discover list, which honestly was broken and he had the best list, uh, people were just playing it, right? And that was the idea. Griff Discover, best deck. Uh, Jola said is the best Miracles player. Why? Because he's the only Miracles player on the SCG circuit consistently for ever, except for like East Coast Indian Samrook is popping up. So it's, I don't think it really is a matter of, like, data and, like, getting an idea of the grinder mindset in terms of deck selection, because that's heavily influenced by external factors that are propagated by what is essentially a propaganda. Um, I, I, I agree with you, because, I mean, I do think, like, the best legacy player in the world could be with two scrub, you know, standard and modern players and do very poorly, so you wouldn't see that, but... What, what, what I like to take the data is, like, you see, um, like, as we dive into the constructed uh, portion of the event, uh, Collins Mullins in fourth played Rakdos Reanimator, and that's not normally a deck that Mr. Mullins would gravitate to. Um, yeah, so I don't know if anyone's been following the Lotus Box guys, but up, leading up to the event, uh, they've been playing, like, a version of food chain or a learn one of the two both of those decks are basically the same thing in my mind arbitrary green deck filled with a bunch of two for one creatures that has a random combo kill it was a learn it was a learn and i like brad bonin got a deck tech for the four color snow decker 1912 as we've been calling it and uh he mentioned that he just died to them because their deck is nothing but a bunch of two for ones uh they had something like four baleful strix a bunch of uh, Ice Fang Quaddle, and then they had like the guy from Modern Horizons who hideaways a card. Watcher for tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And it, I have it in foil. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> it, it's, it draws a card. It it does. I mean, you're gonna buy anything that draws a card. I wonder. I wonder who buys anything that draws a card first. You or Anuragda? Uh, probably I do in foil. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. I think so. Honorard probably buys it on Moto faster than you buy it in paper, though. But anyway. I have delivery fees. Like, I have a bunch of commander cards. You know, they might be coming my way. There might be Sven's Reclamation, Misery and Mire, but they're not in foil because they don't come in foil. Unfortunate. Proxies, as you call them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to clarify, Steve calls non-foil cards proxies uh, because, you know... Something, something smells like broken here. <laughs> Foils do twice the effect. And and tilt rich shay. It's, it's like a built-in perk. Double the value, just free tilt rich shay value. When are you going to build new... Oh, you... So, we're getting way off track here, but... Steve has, like, four copies of Miracles. He has, from the Vault Miracles... Uh, like classic border miracles, new border miracles. What else do you have, Steve? 
I had a blue miracles and a red miracles belt based on like, um, and this is way off tangent, but like there's a blue brainstorm that was like the is it uh, dual deck originally, and then it was printed again in foil, so it's blue. And then there's a blank like judge foil that's blue, and there's an engineered explosives from Modern Masters that's blue, and then the dark steel Modern Masters is red. And Mercadian Mass Brainstorm is red, and then Dundillion Click from Powerpuff Girls, I think it was Modern Masters, is red. So, like, I have a Blue Miracles and a Red Miracles, but, and an FTV Miracles with Yu-Gi-Oh! Counterbalances, because that's how you get people. Yeah, anyway, so Steve has more editions of Miracles than there are Pokemon games, is uh, what you just heard. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> and I'm still playing Zero. <laughs> It's so disappointing. What were we even talking about? Grinders and deck selection? Yeah, uh, Team Lotus Box was playing Alert, and then Collins Mullins plays Black Red Reanimator because the deck just destroys people. And uh, I think right now a lot of people are um, cutting on Grave Hate and in terms of like playing these four-color decks that have to lean a little more heavier on like Thoughtseize or whatever. Um, or just, you know, as the format is skewed towards the fair shells and has become a bit more narrow people are tuning their sideboards to be you know to facilitate that a bit more um people are also cutting cluster storm true so like they're leaning on their surgicals really hard yeah chance of the annex is really good right now and uh one thing that's notable about collins list is the triple pyroblast in the sideboard um I can't remember the last time I've seen that or if I've seen Triple Blast, but I like it. Yeah, he had, he was, um, he, his list was very interesting as far as he had the one Megas the Moon, which is, you know, he's hedging for these Ren piles. Plus, he has the um, Shenanigans Coffin Purge combo. So, you know, the fact that, like, you know, you've got you can uh, entomb for shenanigans and entomb for coffin purge, and and be able to use those effects. Like really, just kind of ups those counts for him. Yeah, one thing that's nice about Magus of the Moon is that it also punishes like Delver players, right? Um, there's a lot of people who will cut all of their sideboards against, you know, these combo decks, and there's some people who keep some in. But as you're cutting uh, lightning bolts, you end up in spots where you're just cold to Magus of the Moon. So a random Magus is as good as a Grizzle Rain in a lot of these spots. And players will keep hands that are disruption-heavy as opposed to uh, creature-heavy, so they may not play a threat until turn three. So you can potentially just hard-block them out. Um, I personally usually keep in a couple Lightning Bolts as a hedge for Magus slash... Uh, Pack rat slash what is it? Grave. Uh, it's the one drop crypt breaker. Crypt breaker. Thank you. Um, I usually keep in a couple bolts as a hedge for that. I tend to cut my true name nemesis, uh, which that's kind of an awkward discussion. True name's a blue card for forcible, which is very relevant. You almost will never cast the card, but pitching it to force is relevant. But my worry is, I don't like having creatures in my deck that I can't answer in a bind and if they thought sees reanimate my training i'm just dead to it most of the time uh, because i still have to respect their game plan but i also have to now like 
find and put two creatures on the table and kill my opponent. Uh, so, I mean, his main deck is great. His main deck is nine four ofs. Well, I guess eleven four ofs, two tech cards, fourteen lands. He didn't play. There's nothing cute. He's just like, I want four of all my effects that win the game, and two tech cards and some lands. Yeah, it's just all in on general black red reanimator redundancy. Let's get in there. Uh, let's get a big thing. Let's murder them. Uh, it's game time. It's pretty simple, you know. Uh, but I, I think I like Black Red Reanimator for the reasons I mentioned earlier. It's a very consistent, redundant deck. Uh, there's a lot of four-color decks that can barely support Forcible at the moment. People are cutting Grave Hate. I'm a fan of the shell. And, you know, there are random, like, Delver players who are leaning closer on Tormod's Crypt and um, Grappler's Case. Looking at you, Dylan. You know who you are. You, you know who you are. I see you. And they're just going to lose to these turn zero combo decks. So I think uh, Reanimator's in a good spot to be fine for like a week, uh, which I say a week because the legacy metagame is shifting so fast. Uh, two weeks ago, we mentioned that Show and Tell was one of the decks we really liked, and I don't even think it's that great right now. It won the Constructed event, but that was also skewed because of lands. I think that lands deck did, his, did him some favors, got rid of those Delver... Those Delver pilots that made the top eight and cleared the way for show and tell. Yeah, Casey Lancaster, constantly doing well with lands, constantly tweeting that if you want to do well with lands, or do well in Legacy, play lands. Uh, and he really likes his matchup against everything, and I think the deck looks really well thought out and well-tuned. I don't have any comments on it. Um, I know the ninth place list, uh, my friend Harrison... He played only two copies of Dark Depths and consistently was saying that he was very happy with that and uh, enjoyed having a stack of like the Ghost Quarter Wasteland effects plus port and just felt like he won so many matchups by just not having to draw a bunch of um, dark random Dark Depths. So that's something interesting to consider. He has uh, a Crucible of Worlds on his sideboard. I'm not a fan of that. I think that card's pretty redundant with Renin Six. I get that. Renin Six doesn't let you utilize exploration in the same way, but it's already a good enough card that you don't really care if you use exploration. But I'm baffled at the lack of Field of Dead, at least as a hedge to the Dark Depths, like to give yourself a like his his win cons is Renin Six, Punishing Fire, and Dark Depths, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree that he should probably have a Field of the Dead somewhere in the seventy five. Like, through Punishing Fire, you don't necessarily need four Grove of the Burn Willows, so that seems like a relatively easy cut. And he only has one Maze of Ith, which is interesting to me. I'd imagine if you're cutting Dark Depths, you'd want another copy of Maze of Ith, right? Just, right. Just, so. I mean, he's got the Barbring. He's got the Blast Zone. Barbring isn't that great right now. It seems okay. Uh, it seems okay. But yeah, it's, it's not the Elvish Reclaimer. <laughs> right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you gotta have threshold yeah. for it to hit Elvish Reclaimer, and by that point, they're gonna have enough lands in the yard, so it's not. I mean, it doesn't really do the thing that you want it to do, my guy. Hot water, I know that, but I mean, I'm just looking at it. Well, he's got, see, he bogs them, and then he barbarings them. C -c Combo done. Yeah, that's isn't that what every lands player says when they're like, I, I could beat Night of the Royal Prairie. It just got a right. just got a punishing fire it, buy it back, and then a crop rotation for a bajuka bog. You can target them, and then 
hope that they don't untap and play another one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, his list is fine. He's teched out to be blue. He's got three chokes, four sphere of resistance. He's not playing. So he's like, I'm done. <laughs> so Harrison prepped for this event with uh, Tim Schultz, who uh, is a lands uh, aficionado, I guess. Uh, there's another word I'm thinking of. Diehard. He's a lands diehard. And uh, you can tell that Harrison prepped Is that with delusional? Him. Delusional? Mm. Diehard? No, delusional. no, he's not delusional. But he does love experimental frenzy. And the fact that it's in uh, Harrison's sideboard is like a huge tell that uh, that he had a hand in this list. Because, you know, nobody's out here playing frenzy but Tim at this point. He loves that card. I mean, the, th the third played list is the lands deck that I expect, you know, from everybody, which is the depths deck. The depths, the uh, green black depths is... Uh, it's really crazy how good it is right now. Um, Remember last week when we said that Defs may be the best deck in the format? Yeah. I'd like to just yeah. outright say Defs is the best deck. Oh, this is actual Turbo Defs. That's wild. Right. No, this is this is like old school. Wow. I'm going to get them. Uh, no, I don't need no Reclaimers. My elves come as spirit guides, and they guide me to your death. I feel like the mid-range like, Reclaimer Defs deck is so good, though. Um, oh, I agree. You get like the the mid range plane is just seamlessly woven in, and you get a lot of equity and you get a lot of protection from a lot of the things that uh, all of the other decks are doing to combat you. It's interesting. He's got turbo depths. I feel like turbo depths is the most fragile version of depths around. That's interesting. He's got the four pit and needles, one ghost quarter, so he gets to do the old. You don't get wastelands, but I got GQ. You know, I guess is that as good with. The Wasteland deck's running Abrupt Decay, though? Um, he's got four Pithy Needles. I mean, that's four. That's main deck four. Yeah, but he doesn't have cantrips. He doesn't have Sylvan Library in the main, so, you know. Like, I, I get it. It's Turbo Daps. Like, you can turn one Pithy Needle and randomly turn two, combo your opponent, or turn three, combo them, and that's probably enough. Like, that's, right. that's enough time for you to, like, assemble the combo before they can Abrupt Decay with Wasteland up, or, like, any sort of thing, so... I don't know. I mean, like, Turbo Depths is the version that's really weak to Miracles, I think. But, uh... Yes. Miracles is non-existent, and Turbo Depths probably is still good enough against the Delver Shells that you're totally fine not playing the more grindy uh, Sylvan Safekeeper slash Elvish Reclaimer builds that are well, trying to kill the opponent on turn whatever they want, right? I believe Turbo Depths is very favored against the Delver decks, and you know, in fifth place, we've got Mr. Delver himself. Noah, I'm never giving up my Delver's Walker. Playing playing the oldest form of Delver possible. Yeah, so Noah actually hit me up to chat about No Bad Cards Rug, as we've been calling this list. And he mentioned that he'd been talking about it, and I sent him my list, and he was like, yeah, at this point, um, almost everybody's running the same 75. Like, I had the idea for the deck. And I quickly threw it together in Moto and then walked away from it for a second. And then I noticed that Condescend was did well in a challenge with it, and I came back to it. And then my friend Max Gilmore did well, started playing with it and did well. Um, Max from the Min Max blog. And, uh, you know, Noah messaged me and said he'd been doing well. And basically every main deck is within, like, three cards of each other. There's a 
that's also how Four Color Delver is. Like, me and my friends worked on it, got it to a stock list, everybody's working on playing functionally the same 60-ish cards. His sideboard is a bit interesting. Um, 14 one-ofs. I that's really no wish, that's I no really wish he wouldn't have played Second Surgical and played, like, uh, what's the old one black Surgical Extraction? Uh, extra, extra Fate? Extra Fate? He doesn't have Black yeah. Nina. Play, so play like I, a, I need it. I need it. I need it. What is the what is the green put a card on top of the opponent's deck? Noxious revival. Yeah, play a noxious revival. Get, yeah. Come on, Noah. You gotta step Noah. the game up, my guy. You gotta Noah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta 15. come in. Fifteen <laughs> one ofs. It's your brand. You gotta do it. I mean, it's he's got he's got number number like fourteen, Jace the Mind Sculptor, which I think was what surprised me the most and probably the most savvy of uh, this new generation of I've got all this mana because of running six and I don't really have anything to do with it. I'm all dressed up for the party. So I might as well bring around my boy, Jace, the mind sculptor. I like yeah. That. I've been thinking about Jace, the mind sculptor and I've been mostly playing four color Delrin, some of the rug gorilla. And when Noah and I were talking, he mentioned that he'd been playing Jace. And I was like, I thought about Jace I didn't want to cut Sylvan Library for it because Sylvan Library is pretty good against like Maverick, Death and Taxes, Goblins, whatever. Just arbitrary decks that pressure your mana as well. And it's cheap and draws you cards. It's a thing that slips under Red Blast and Blue Blast. And I didn't want to increase my susceptibility to the or Red Blast effects, um, specifically, I guess. And he mentioned that he hadn't been liking... Uh, Sylvan Library and the Rug List. And I tried, I when I was playing No Bad Cards Rug, I, I was trying the Sylvan Library and thinking back to it. It wasn't really that insane. Uh, the This list is more of a, I want to have forward momentum, I want to do well, etc. Like, just kind of, const, it's more of a sum of the, the sum of the parts is better, is worth more than just like the individual what is it? The whole is worth more than the sum of the parts? That phrase. Um, and Sylvan Library, it's, it's not very powerful when you're drawing just like Lightning World, random, soft counter spell, whatever. But it's obviously way more powerful when you're seeing like Abrupt Decay, Parmagoyf, and thought, stuff like that. Like cards that are intrinsically of a higher power level. And I, uh, I, I think I agree that Jace is better in this particular shell in the four color list. I still like Sylvan Library for the reasons I mentioned before. It's cheaper, just easier to get down. Dodges blast. Like the four color list is a lot better at not being susceptible to blast effects. So this list, you're fine overloading blast. So I posted a list on Twitter that was uh, something I wanted to try, similar to Noah's list. I have three Tarmogoy, three. Dreadhorde Arcanus, which he has two Dreadhorde for Goyf. I'm not quite sure which split is correct. I haven't played this deck in a week or so. Uh, and I think it's probably pretty close. I think the, uh, it's like, before we go too far down the creature path, I think the choice between Jace and Sylvan Library in Rug has more to do with, um, you know, I, I, I do give props to Noah before I go, like, he did this, but it, like the original Sultai you know, Sultan Malamujo was the, I'm going to play Delver or Delver and Jace together and they are best friends. And I'm going to mention his name one time. 
But I think you know, the Mooj brought the car for some easy Delver flips. All like six of you who get that reference are going to die laughing. <laughs> Everyone else, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I look at this and I think the difference between four color running uh, Sylvan Library and this running Jace is this deck really kind of wants to end the game. And having a, a Sylvan Library that can actually win the game with Jace is, I think, A, better. And B, um, I think this deck has issues with certain permanent types, like Burmog Angler and everything else. And Jace kind of hedges you at the same time for those permanent types while also being able to cantrip and win the game. It's like, it's basically, it does everything together where four color Delver already has a lot of those everything together cards in its, in its, you know, four colors. Yeah. The other thing is that, like I mentioned, four colors card quality is higher. Like when rug starts flooding, your ketchup mechanics are way worse than the four color deck because you have fewer universal answers. You don't have as big of bodies or you don't have the same density of big bodies. Like my four color list plays two Gurmag and four Tarmogoyce. So if I'm behind, I can just randomly go Gurmag, Tarmogoy, True Name, and then take over a game. Whereas the rug deck doesn't do that as much. You kind of you want to stay at parity and you want to uh, slowly get ahead. Whereas the four color deck can play a bit of a better control game or mid range game, uh, as it were. And I like Jace because it gives you a big thing that mitigates flooding and provides answers for random spots and gives you an extra out to stuff. Like, you know, a random rest in peace just means on Noah's list. And I've been a big proponent of Return to Nature over this raid that he has because it can kill rest in peace. And I've seen a bit of it popping up. I've played against Miracles that has main deck rip a couple times. And uh, anecdotally, I've beaten it every time. Miracles isn't that good. But uh, I, I'm a fan of the Jace. It's just like an alternate win con slash drawn. It's also blue. I think they have to keep their blue count up higher than the four-color list because they have less all-encompassing answers. So I think they really... I think if you look at a lot of his cards, he's, he's keeping his blue count up when sideboarding, probably to keep uh, as many Force of Will effects in his deck as possible. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, when I was working on the deck, uh, I had two Spell Pierce and a Spell Snare. And I was chatting with some people, and Robert Wilson, uh, Columbus local, all-around gangster, uh, grilling tips expert, uh, I actually told him that once the podcast gets running, he'll be able to have his own little grilling tips section. I, I don't know why I told him that, but uh, at some point we're going to have random grilling tips cutaways, Steve, so I'm going to have to live with that. Uh, but anyway, uh, he was like, you should cut the second swell pairs for a force indication main deck. I was like, oh yeah, duh, I should. And I did. It's been stellar. And uh, I, I really like it. Someone on Twitter was asking me yesterday morning, I think, um, about my thoughts on four color versus the rug list. And he was just like, isn't the four color list strictly better? And I was explaining to them, no, the, the four color list is better against like fair decks. Uh, you're way more powerful against, you're like 60 40 against all the fair decks. Uh, Maybe a bit worse against Miracles specifically. AK Miracles is a bad matchup, it feels like, but predict Miracles is fine. When I play, I'll go like three or four one against Miracles. Rug, 
is a lot better against combo, mostly because you get to actually play Force of Negations and support them. I tried Force of Negation in Four Color Delver, and the blue count was very awkward, and I couldn't properly support the card. And the rug list having six forces lets it tap out a lot more. If you watch Noah's map is from uh, this weekend, his play patterns were like turn one, play lane, do nothing. But turn two or turn three, he would slam and tap out, whereas four colors often play land, do nothing, turn two, maybe thoughts easier or whatever. You're not playing a threat until turn three or turn four, which can be a problem against these combo decks. Because uh, you really need to clock them. And the red list is afforded the ability to just kill them. Well, looking at the uh, four color list, the four color Delver list that came in seventh from Hunter Nance, you can definitely see, like, he's got. A split of Force of Wills, three forces, one force of negation. He's got an EE. So, like, that's, like, right there something that, you know, he, he he's not even happy with having four colors worth of destruction spells. He's got the colorless one to get stuff to. Four color is a misnomer. He's actually just rubbed over. Um, oh, I apologize. You are right. I see it now. Yeah. I was assuming that their naming conventions were correct. Oh, you never should do that. Um... Yeah, he, he's just playing functionally no bad cards, rug videos, four Dreadboard, two, one Tarmogoyf, which is interesting, and three True Dame. Uh, a lot of players have moved away from leaning that heavily on True Dame because of uh, Plague Engineer, which is really interesting to me. And Hunter, interestingly, has three forcible, one force of negation, uh, one main deck Vapor Snag, uh, four Bolt, two Chain Lightning. He doesn't have the preordains. He's opting for more impactful spells. And then he has a random engineered explosives in the main deck. <clears throat> which I'm If he had more goifs, if he had more goifs, I would get the EE. I would really get the EE. But he doesn't have more goifs, and it does nothing with Dreadhorde or Ren. Yeah, I'm inclined to think that a main deck of Braid is better than EE. I I have played EE and Delver Shells, and I have very much liked it before. Uh, it's like a third answer to challenge slash pseudo sweeper for elves and empty the warrens, whatever. But um, but you were probably playing Gurmog Angler, right? I was playing Grixis Delver at the time, but I, I I'm not. I, I like a braid main deck a bit more. I I understand why you would want EE main. Uh, it's the best answer for Chalice, trying to be able to turn zero a Chalice answer is so nice. But a braid flipping Delver is often a bit more relevant game one. Uh, I think they're very close in value. But, like, I don't hate he's also, he's also killing something of his own when he, if he's not setting it at zero. He's probably killing something of his own. I do kind of want a couple more Tarmogoyce in this deck, and he has a lot of Hydroblast. Like, two Hydroblast, two Pyroblast, one Relevant Blast. Realistically, he should have one Hydroblast, one Pyroblast, or one Blue Elemental Blast, but whatever, that's marginal. Um, and the rest of the deck basically looks pretty stock. It's just Blue Red Delver, Splash, Tarmogoyf, and he has four answers to Chalice, which is a lot, but I understand it. I know when I play Miracles, I usually prefer to have four, if not five answers to Chalice as just a baseline. Uh, I almost never play three answers. Uh, Delver, I sometimes cheat, but uh, I get it. So... Well, the eighth place, the eighth place list, and I and I checked to make sure Rudy is definitely playing four color Delver, and it's four color Delver. We've got Gurmogs, we've got Abrupt Decays. That's what our blacks. Yeah, it's just kind of the stock 
four color Delver list from a couple weeks ago. 20 lands, uh, nine cantrips, two spell pairs. Uh, sideboard is one Tormont's Crypt, two Plague Engineer, two Liliana's Triumph, one Pirate Blast, one Red Blast, one Submerge, two Surgical, one Vapor Snag, one Veil of Summer, one Inquisition, two Thoughtseize. Uh, I don't know what to say here. I obviously am going to say that I like my list a bit better. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Edicts. I felt for a long time that Edicts were just inherently bad cards. And in Legacy, we were priced into playing them because um, True Name and Merit Leech existed. But right now we have... We have Plague Engineer. We have Plague Engineer to answer True Name, and we have uh, other effects that can answer uh, Merit Leech slash... Edict effects aren't even that great against Merilage. So I like the fact that he has three answers for Lage. I'm not sure I like his selection, but we will go into answers for Merilage a bit later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's definitely something we'll discuss later. I do think traditionally the Triumph or Edict was the correct call, but I think the changing of that deck has made things different. So, you know. But let's go ahead and look at the... Uh, uh, the Legacy Classic, which that is probably something more attuned. I mean, there's these are definitely people that did not make Day 2 or dropped well, out of Day 2 in time. So that's kind of a misnomer as well. Like, Bob Hong won the Classic with Green Black Depths, and Jarvis Yu got 11th from Green Black Depths, and I believe Bob went X3-1 over the course of the weekend, and Jarvis went X3. Uh, something along those lines. Uh, we've already said it. Well, I mean, their team, their team didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's what well, no, no, yeah, their team didn't make it, but they did very well, right? X three, one X three. That's like top thirty something of a GP. Uh, we've already said that Deaths is the best deck. Bob is obviously a very good legacy player. His list are good. Uh, fun fact: When I first picked up Brixis Delver, I was struggling to really learn the deck. I was either playing too passively or too aggressively. And then I asked Bob if I could just watch him play a couple leagues, and he was like, yeah, sure. So I watched Bob play a singular league, and then immediately started to one and 5 on the Delver. Just learned so much in that short time. So uh, thank you, Bobo, and congrats on your, your classic win. I mean, uh, we're selling a mentor service for him right now, right? Like, five minutes with Mr. Wong, and you was, will be a better <laughs> legacy player. It was 40 minutes, and I basically went from being, like, a mediocre Delver pilot to a very good Delver pilot. 40 minutes doesn't sell. Five minutes <laughs> with Bob. Five minutes with Bob, and you will be a 4-1 master. The Bob Fan, fan Bob. Fan <laughs> Bob. Make Legacy great again. His DMs are open. I don't know if that's true, but... So... Uh, yeah, Bob's list is cool. He's got two. He's got two of his namesake card. Or it might be Bob Marr. I don't know, but we're gonna go with Bob because he won. Dark Confidant two. Uh, he's got two Sylvan Scryings, and you know that's where we're kind of at with these lists. Yeah, Elvis Reclaimer decreases your need for Sylvan Scrying. Like Elvis Reclaimer is great because you put it on the table and the threat that has to be answered, and. Uh, you know, 
like Sylvan Scrying is just the backup failsafe. But I like Elvish Reclaimer because these decks, up oh, between Elvish Reclaimer, Bob, etc., uh, these decks really tax cards like Swords to Plowshares, right? Like before. Oh, see, I'm gonna cut because I'm I'm sorry. I think like the difference of this deck is like how we've changed in our philosophy, where where traditionally a miracle we were miracle pilots, and we love to react. And that Turbo list has got four pivot needles, kind of in that same slot, which are reactive cards. Where this is. No, this isn't reacting. This is progressing its game plan and challenging you. Answer this or die. Yeah, exactly. This deck is putting hands and feet on you. Like, it, it doesn't care. It's ready to square up in the parking lot. Like, it's it's not the whole, like, please don't wasteland me. It's, I don't care if you wasteland me. I'm still going to slap you with my 3-4 Tarmac Wave. That and also I have is a yeah, exactly. And I have two wastelands. I'm going to wasteland you. You think you're going to wasteland me. No, sir, you have it wrong. I'm going to wasteland you and have my three, four mini knight, Tarmogoyf, whatever you want to call him. He's everything in a tiny little one mana spell. I mean, Jarvis, I'm just you, glad he's not green black. Jarvis, you by comparison got 11th place and didn't play Bob, and he played three copies of Wasteland. That's, that's notable. A lot of these depths lists are now playing multiple Wastelands, almost in the same numbers as Delver Shells, and get to play this game where they can Wasteland you out of the game and then kill you with a 20-20 out of your leisure. Yeah, I, lo I love... So, I mean, I really do. I'm going to go back on that tangent where I'm like, this deck is proactive, which, you know, if you haven't caught that theme from us, but we really believe right now Legacy is a very proactive environment. It's not sit back on your hands and try to get your opponent's by outthinking them, it's basically squaring up on them and saying, you got something? Because if you don't, you're dead. Yeah, you have to, like, I remember talking with GP Niagara champion, Daniel Gilshaw, about modern Jeskai control. And I was looking at a lot of his lists on Moto, and he had, like, the stock lists are playing maybe two to four cantrips, and he was always playing eight. And I asked him why he was playing eight cantrips, and he said, I like building my decks such that when my opponent isn't doing anything, they still can goldfish well. They still have things they can be doing and a plan that they can be pro, like proactively progressing and just moving towards. And I think that's where legacy is. It's not the, oh, well, I'm going to answer some stuff and I'm going to maybe play a mentor or whatever and do some, some things and cast some cantrips and make monks and then you're maybe going to die. It's Oh, you didn't do anything for a turn? I'm going to punish you for it. What can I do to make you regret not putting something on the table or threatening something in some way? I mean, if you look at a sideboard even, it's funny to me because normally sideboards are we where we build like answers for problems or ways to build around it. And all of his things are killing you. I mean, it starts with Dried Arbor. It's Dried Arbor, Arbor. Couple pithing needles for Wasteland. Well, but, but I mean, he's got a couple answer spells, but look at Sylvan Self-Keeper. It's an answer that also beats you in the face. He's got Assassin's Trophies. He's not holding your hand with that Assassin's Trophy. He's getting you. Him to Turox, Liliana the Lasso, and Plague Engineer. All of his, his answers also challenge you. Yeah, same thing with uh, Jarvis. Him to Turox, Liliana's Plague Engineers. Except Jarvis has... 
Force of Vigor, which Bob doesn't have. And I really like Force of Vigor in the shells. Uh, I think, I know Casey Lancaster was talking about how Force of Vigor single-handedly changed Land's matchup against uh, Depths. Or not Depths, uh, Moon. The Moon's got me that. Because they just Force of Vigor the Blood Moon EOT and kill them. And I think that's really huge. Uh, I, I think it has I, to do with green counts is why they chose different paths from that. He's got the bobs. Oh, you want to talk green count, Steve? Let me let me find this deck list. Um, oh, I saw, I saw it. On, yeah, on Domino EXP, <laughs> Daniel Diamato, the the Stormy Boy. He posted a list of Storm that has sixty cards main deck. It's entitled "Fuck Chalice," um, and the sideboard is currently twelve cards, and it's four abrupt decay, two veil of summer, four vigor, <laughs> it's force of vigor, two chain of vapor. I'm sure he was joking, maybe, but <laughs> it's it's funny to see how force of vigor has proven to be the most impactful force of the new cycle. Everybody defaulted to assuming that Force of Negation would be the most impactful one due to Force of Will being the only relevant force out of that cycle. Whoa, 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 whoa. Squad Hawks, Force of Virtue. You're wrong. You're wrong. <sighs> Steven, Steven, if you ever play Squadron Hawk to offset your, your, you know, your, your anthem effects, that's, it's not that great. Just, just play humans. You know, tap your survival on two. Is your white count enough for Force of Virtue? No, who cares about Force of Virtue? Can't. Your, force of, your Force of Virtue in humans can attack. Like, that's the thing. Like, why would you play D&T with Force of Virtue and, like, play this list that's bad against everything against the format? When you can just tap Aether Vial, put in Thalia's Lieutenant, and then slap your opponent in the face for eight, and they're just like, oh, I wasn't prepared to play Modern. And then they right. die. There's a problem with that. I'm old. I started playing magic because I got to be a wizard and cast spells. And I'm not an animal keeper. I don't want creatures that I have to, like, tender, take care of. I cast spells. I cast, like, you know, Armageddon. And my opponent doesn't get to do anything for the rest of the game. But I hear you. I do hear you. So which nursing home do you want to stay in? Like, there's a few in our area. I actually know the nursing homes in our area pretty well, and a lot of them suck, but I can pick out a good one for you, Steve. I can... It's got to be a no-pet clause, based <laughs> no. on what I just said. No pet. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Uh, uh, second place was a pet-laden deck with Death and Taxes featuring Homic. He's a distinguished advisor, because the advisor tribal will happen someday. And brightling. So, um, I'm yeah, minorly I shocked know. that Stock Death and Taxes actually made it to the finals of this tournament. Uh, I'm minorly shocked that I'm, I'm not shocked that it didn't. Marin Crusader is really good against the format right now, but um, I don't know. I'm not shocked that they lost to Bob. Like, if someone tells me Bob Hong is versus random person that whose name I don't know. Like, no disrespect to that person. I'm just inclined to believe Bob Huang is better than that. Just because I know Bob as a player and his pedigree. Uh, that's basically it. Um, looking through I these see, other depths. I don't see any Garth of the Runes on his list. He did cut a mom. 
but he doesn't have giver runs. Um, and but he does have Tomek, so he had game against Bob. It's so hard to justify Mom. Like I've played multiple matches against Maverick and Death and Taxes where I go turn two Ren and six minus on whatever they played on turn one. But I this actually happened last weekend. I played a turn two Ren and six. They paused for like a minute, and then I untapped, cast Thoughtseize, and they conceded the game. Uh. I'm not surprised to see people cutting Mother Runes. It's it's expected at this point. This list is basically just 2014 miracles. But I mean, so this list has this list has game though, right? This list has game against the Depths matchup. Yeah, you still have Flicker Wisp, which the the Squad Hawk decks are cutting. They're leaning in on Squad Hawk being able to block, which is unreliable due to Sanjuri Step, and uh, what else is there? Triple Caracas, Triple Caracas, Tomic, Flicker Wisp. Um, only one Revoker, but still Revoker can do things. Yeah, that's an interesting cut, Revoker. Uh, it's I the Ren six phenomenon. Yeah, you Revoker ran in six, and then your Revoker dies, and the rest of your deck still dies regardless. So I guess they're just on the plane of not even trying to revoke Ren and Six and just play something bigger than it can kill, which is totally understandable. Um, he also has a Path to Exile and a Pithing Needle. Like, this guy has game against Depths. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. Um, but, I mean, that's enough for DNT. I was just, you know, that was interesting. Uh, mono Red Prison, I'm not going to even look at it. But deck is good. Mono. I think it's, like, the third best deck in the format. Uh, Jeff Snodgrass, that name sounds familiar, but... Um, it might be the best Winter Orb deck in the format. <laughs> uh, notably, Kenta Hiroki has been playing Four Color Delver. Shout out to Kenta. And somehow he ended up sleeving up a copy of Cinder Vines in his sideboard, which I strongly disagree with. Um, Cinder Vines as a card is... You really think it's a good answer as a disenchant, then it instantly hates storm car storm decks and combo decks. But in my testing, what I found is that it's primarily an answer for the storm decks, or just like an annoying card for them to win through. And then the disenchant mode, because you have to play it proactively, they either just play around it, or like in stuff and taxes they'll revoke it or whatever. But it's also very hard to cast. So it's just a mana-restrictive effect that doesn't properly answer the effects that you want. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Cinder Vines. Uh, I've really given this card so many chances to be good, and the only time it's good is against, like, blue-white decks and, like, Grix's control. Max can tell you, we were watching EW Landon today, which on the day of the cast is uh, the 20th. And he resolved a Cinder Vines against Storm with counter spells in his hand and died. Yeah, Cinder Vines is only good if you resolve it very. Like, Cinder Vines is good if your opponent is at six or less life. You have to have already basically been doing what a Delver deck wants to do against Storm and then play Cinder Vines as a, okay, now you can't finish me off. Because often what will happen with Delver is 
you'll dominate the early game, and then your storm opponent will just kill you in the late game. Because your best start is turn one, land Delver with Days in hand, or whatever, and that puts you at five cards. So your storm opponent is always just up on cards. Um, shout out to Cliffy for pointing that out. And as a Delver pilot, you have to manage your clock and your resources so carefully throughout the match that a card like Cindervines is either going to be the best thing ever or it's going to be a complete do-nothing. And I don't know. I, I found that it's it's on average going to be worse than no one, basically. And I personally went back to playing Ancient Grudge because of its flexibility and uh, playing against a bunch of mono red prison, I found that there are game states that Ancient Grudge would have been an out for, or Ancient Grudge is just consistently good enough against these artifact shells that I want it to kill like Chalice under a Magus of the Moon so I can bolt the Magus or whatever or whatever. And Cindervine just doesn't do that. It's just clunky, it takes up your whole turn to cast. I'm just really not a fan of this card. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely, like, kill the three ball, kill the chalice, keep playing magic is probably what would push the Ancient Grudge in my in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could definitely... It's also randomly good against some of the 1912 lists that are playing uh, the four Astrolabes and um, four Baleful Strix or whatever. He does have... Kenta does have on his sideboard... The uh, Scorn of Nicobolus, Tyrant Scorn. Folks, oh, this is a great card. He's uh, he's got the new tech. I can't I can't edict a uh, Merrill Age, but I can make it go back to your hand. The new tech that I've been pushing on Twitter. Um, so a while ago, I wrote an article about War of the Spark, and I posted that Tyrant Scorn may actually be very good in Legacy, because it kills every relevant threat uh, at three or less CMC, and then it also kills Merrily. And, and balances Gurmog. And is, bounces is, is relevant. Yeah, that's, that's definitely relevant at times. And where I ended up was this last weekend I decided to test two Tyrants for in my sideboard. And they were clunky at times, uh, and they are very hard on the mana. Uh, the deck only plays two black mana sources in four color, and you you definitely have to manage that appropriately. But what I found was that the card did exactly what I wanted, and I was very happy with it. I know Dylan Hovey wasn't happy with it. He tried it and went back to Submerges. But my issue with Submerge is that savvy depth players can easily play around it by crop rotating away their forests before uh, going for a 2020, or they can reclaim away their forests by going before going for a 2020. Or they can just play Nurturing Peatland, which they're all playing at least two copies of. Yeah, or they can just play the Green-Black Fastlane. There's, there's a lot of options for Black-Green players to just ignore Submerge. And my issue with Edict is that every Depth Shell uh, or the most common depth shells. Turbo depths and bug depths aren't playing the incidental creatures. But the black green slow depths slash the green white Tagoras depths, Maverick depths, whatever we want to call that deck, is um 
They got creatures. They have like ten creatures. Yeah, they have a lot of creatures. There's always a scavenging ooze or a noble hire or something random on the table. So Edict doesn't connect. And I'm so happy to not have to play Edict in my decks. I've hated that card for years. It is not good. We've been like forced into playing it because it was just like, oh, well, it answers um, Merrillation. It answers True Name Nemesis. But I haven't lost to a True Name Nemesis out of a non-Delver Shell in a while. And I haven't been losing Delver Mirrors, uh, which is probably more of a comment on me being familiar with Delver Mirrors. But regardless, my point is that Edict is not a good card. Legacy is often set up to avoid that effect or just mitigate it with incidental creatures or what have you. Or you have to ca- you have to prioritize casting it in win- certain windows where you'd rather be pr- playing a threat. And Submerge is fine. It's totally great in the Delver Mirrors, but it is an effect that comes at a cost. And Vapor Snag is just a generally pretty bad card that serves that very specific function. And what I found with Tyrant Scorn was it, even though it was clunky, it did do exactly what I wanted. Um, I played against like Maverick and I played some Delvermares where I would often board in just one copy of the card against Delvermares because of how how mana intensive it was uh, for those matchups. But I played against the Infect and Goblins and I boarded in two and it was great. It was like really stellar to be able to board up on targeted removal that was universal. Uh, often the Delver players will capitalize on the fact that Invigorate can counter Lightning Bolt. And in this spot, I was able to destroy them. Uh, I'm really happy with the card currently. I, I definitely understand the flaws of it, but I think it serves the correct purpose of being both an answer for depths and being an answer for just random small creatures as needed slash answer for Tarmogoyf that the deck wanted without having to lean super heavily on Decay or Assassin's Trophy. Well, I think like, yeah, I mean, I started playing it, whatever. I can't remember what it was. We've talked about it because I was playing it in Four Color Control. That's when I was playing it because I noticed the influx of creatures and it's for me a vapor snag that also kills. So I can actually rescue my creature because you can choose to rescue like Plague Engineer or even Baleful Strix or Snapcaster Mage and then replay it to kill something or replay the Plague Engineer. So it like was really flexible for me and it kept my blue count up, which is what I think will be, you know, even though it's mana intensive in your deck, in my deck it kept my blue count up. No, so, I've, I've definitely p- pitched the card to uh, Force of Will a couple times just as a, this is a blue card. And that's what's great about it. It does, it's it's a clunky, narrow-ish effect that serves a very good purpose in these Delver shells. And I think it's very good in the four-color control shells. And uh, I think more and more players will slowly begin to adopt it and realize what exactly it's there for because edict isn't rescuing, that good. rescuing true name seems really silly to me like like in certain matchups like you could you know you could argue that if you had to bring it in 
to it was in your main deck because depths is so pervasive or you brought it in as a one of answer to i don't know like mentor against, against control deck but whatever scenario you're playing against miracles is in your main deck you know it's a dead card until you see some annoying thing but then like they cast terminus or supreme verdict and you're just like well I'll rescue my true name you can buy back or a you, you can rescue your true name i'm talking about for your delver deck you can rescue your own true name yeah you can buy back true name or whatever I, I don't have it in my main deck, but I could see someone playing it in my main in their main deck. I have slowly been working on a Grixis Delver list, um, and I was trying to figure out the numbers. I've been kind of lazy because I feel like four color kind of does everything I want except for beat combo as consistently as I would like. But um, the the other card out of this list that I'm going to tell you, we you know you posted something on. Uh, Twitter, like this was a month ago, probably about days and fiery islet slash badlands deck and how terrible <laughs> it is. I'm gonna tell I, you this right now. I picked up a fiery islet because every Delver deck, almost every one of these blue red decks is playing one, and I'm not gonna argue with those results. I actually am going to argue with those results. Um, I'm currently playing 19 lands into preordain. And the issue I've had with blue with four color Delver are the fact that it randomly floods out a bit too much, and that at times it's not consistent enough. Your blue count is way lower than I want it to be, and having the extra cantrip really helps uh, sort out some of the consistency issues and some of the just like blue count issues. I played three leagues with the deck this last weekend, and I played a random Bomberman league, actually. And I went 3-2, 4-1, and 5-0 with, in those leagues. And the 3-2 league, I believe, I played against like Moon Stompy and some other bad matchup. The Moon Stompy matchup, uh, sometimes I easily win it, sometimes I easily lose it. It's kind of a matter of like how many forcibles I draw. I need to maybe practice that matchup a bit more. Um, I did re-add Ancient Grudge to my list because I've been in spots where my opponent will play Magus to the Moon and Chaos on one, and I'll be hard-locked out of the game. But Ancient Grudge isn't out to that because I can grudge their Chalice and then Lightning Bolt their Magus and unlock my mana. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to keep tweaking from there. But I, so far, I really like my but it's foil. My fiery eyelid is foil. I get to drop one of the proxy original printing. I mean, they're expensive, but whatever. Dual lands, and I get to play a foil land. Flex on you, broke, broke boys. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of like the fiery eyelid. I'm going to try it out um, in Delver decks and slash. I may try it over my second Volk in four color. So I don't know. I'm I'm getting a little teched out on that, so I may stop. Uh, eighth place though, Dredge, Dredge. Uh, I'm in love. Mana Dredge, Mana Dredge. I can't. I'm I'm sorry. Remember the time last week when we said Dredge was good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it drops Mike. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the gack? It's a one of. I don't care. Yeah, it's the gack. Everybody plays one of gack and He's coming. It's like stocked. I I actually is this just an Arkan list? I don't think this is an Arkan list. I don't think he plays natural and and but um four creeping chills. 
Natural end is really interesting. It's a three mana answer for ley lines and stuff, but I figure you'd want nature. You'd want nature's claim as opposed to natural end. It's probably nature's claim. I wouldn't be shocked if this was supposed to be nature's claim and not natural end. Um, or it could be reverend silence. It could be. It's not natural end. <laughs> it's 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 not natural. There's no way it's natural's end. It's three mana. That's just not happening. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, it's, moving on. It's to... reverend silence or or, the, or nature's claim. It's got to be one of those two. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's let's speed through the next portions. Um, the legacy challenge was won by Blue White Dome Blade. I think that Tundra decks are fairly bad. Um, Miracle, well, Miracles is fairly bad. I think Stoneblade is fine because, as we touched on earlier, it has a proactive game plan that it can goldfish when its opponent is doing nothing. If your opponent rolls to five, you can turn to a Stoneforge Mystic and kill them with Batter Skull, right? And we saw two Stoneblade players in the top eight Fizzle and the Zookeeper, aka Base God Sam Rufus, aka Tundra Daddy, aka the guy who I kind of learned a bit of miracles from uh anyway uh yeah that's that's basically it like stone blade is the tundra deck to play if you want to play tundra if you're playing miracles um thank you for seeing the tournament with buys i guess yeah i like the, i like um i like everything in this top eight um i, I strife made it um i'm really I'm really liking Strifo's kind of dedication to his deck, and I'm not sold on Dak Faden in this style of deck yet, but I do like the Tarmogoyfs. I do like... I kind of like everything out about it. I don't like the one spell snare, but um, I like everything else. I don't know about this Nile Spellbomb in the main, if that's on purpose. Probably is. He likes to tech his deck out. Have you seen... Um, that's true. Ah, I'm blanking out. Who was it? Oh, Minguchi's tweet. Uh, have you seen Minguchi's tweet about playing a league for his, uh, you know, I'm enjoying Minguchi. It's a legacy video. Um, you've been waiting <laughs> to do that. You've been dying. Oh like, you God. needed to do that. <laughs> I... I thought about that this morning and then forgot about it and just remembered it right now. Um, but he played a legacy video, as he calls them, and he played against Strifo. And his matchup list for the the thing was like some list of random decks, and it was just like Strifo. <laughs> and, and Chase responded, I don't know how I feel about being a matchup. And I told him he should just embrace it. <laughs> he's at this point. At this point, he is. Like, he is a deck name. And that's that's kind of be a pinnacle of an achievement, right? He's I a am. deck. He's a <laughs> he's a matchup. He's a god. He's what he's a sex symbol. What what else can you want? What else can you want in life? Uh I mean you get some you get some different music on a stream, so shout out to Strife oh Stream. You should listen to it on uh, mute at times. <laughs> but uh I don't know how you top eight challenges while listening to every shitty meme song that the legacy community can come up with. 
but I applaud that man for being able to do so. He's got laser focus. Must find Dak Faden. Must plus. Must find Dak Faden. Must plus. I legitimately applaud the man because I would not be able to focus listening to like all of those meme songs because people bring out the worst of the worst that they can think of and just blast his stream with it. And it is, oh my God. The, set, <laughs> the second place list from the challenge, I'm going to give it a shout out to the uh, only tribe that Plague Engineer can't keep down because they start at <laughs> Merfolk Fish. It's back. It's angry. And it's playing eight Force of Wills. Eight Force of Wills. Yeah, I mean, Merfolk I, is just the blue deck that hates other blue decks, right? Like, it's the blue deck for people who just don't want to accept that they want to cast Ponder. Um, why cast Ponder when you can just play Redundant deck? It dropped Curse Catchers, which I've seen this. I think Julian streamed some of it. And um, I think Tuxbev did too. The, the Bethnic Biomancer, the guy that can adapt and become a 2 2. He can grow up to become a. Uh, a uh, merfolk, a true merfolk, and it gets the loot. I don't know. Yeah, this list is a complete adaption of Plague Engineer. As you said, it was Toxic's creation, I believe. Um, or I know Toxic isn't talking about it. I don't know how much influence he had on this particular list or what have you, but it's exactly what you'd expect out of a merfolk list. It's just a bunch of redundant blue creatures and four force- waterlogged groves. Gotta draw them crads, man. Gotta draw them crads. I can't believe four Horizon Canopies in a deck is hysterical to me. But uh, everything else, I mean, everything else is four ofs. Two Venzers, four Force of Negations. I I, I like the list. I don't know if I I would ever be, you know, this was one of the first Legacy decks I built for my kid. And he played a lot of it against me. And it was a miserable matchup for Miracles. Um, and maybe that's what the, you're riding on. Like all these decks are playing islands and you're just going to beat their face in. I don't know. Four Coral Helm Commanders. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, fun no fact. True names. Oh, no, there's I, true names. No, there's oh. four true names. What? But there's also eight lords. But um, fun fact, I am 100% in terms of Merfolk players casting the card back to basics against me while playing Miracles in Legacy. Don't really? ask me how that works out. Yep. All of my Merfolk opponents that I played against in competitive REL opponent in tournaments, like cast back to basics, and then I just look at their beautiful and I'm like, oh my god, thank you. You look at their cavern <laughs> souls and say, Oh wow. <laughs> I look I look at them and I'm just like, oh my god, thank God. Why can I send my lose. <laughs> Oh man. Why oh. is he playing Coral Elm Commander? It doesn't die to play that. engineer. None of the merfolks besides uh, the for real Silvergill Adept and Bethnic, I guess true name, but I mean, not really. I don't know. They used to play a different configuration, but it's been forever since I've looked at a merfolk deck, so it's probably... I'm not going to pretend to understand the mind of a merfolk player. All I'm going to do is look at this deck list and go, it doesn't try to play Engineer, and it's really good against other blue decks, because that's what merfolk is. And... Um, Oh, I it's image. Have... He cut image. They cut image. Okay, yeah. I was I'm... like, I know there's a card missing. It's it's phantasmal image. Sorry, I just grabbed Which my... makes sense. Like you can still cast a bolt targeting an image through a chalice, unless you're targeting unless your image is copying a true name, right? 
So yeah, I I, I got the kids deck and I was like, what's what's the card I'm not seeing? So that's what it is. It's weird to me that you cut the image because that seems like it would help the plague engineer disaster, but. Uh, like it, it only helps so much. Like if you copy your lord and then kill your lord, and they like you play chalice and they bolt your true name, your play your uh, your image through the chalice, then your X ones are still gonna die. I like this list. It's just a bunch of X ones or X twos that become X twos or X threes, and um, you work your way through things. Or like your X ones are like Merfolk Trickster or Silver Gale with that, but you don't really care if they die, right? They just—it's Tricks, Trickster's a two-two. It's really just Silver Gale up and Bethnic Biomancer. The card's a two-two. I th- I've always thought that card was a two-one. Regardless, you get my point. It's no, I get your point. It's Merfolk. I... It's it's the most redundant blue deck possible. Who needs Ponder? Just you know, take him to Captain D's. I do agree. I, I mean, I like the deck. Uh, I don't know if... I think the deck's really good right now because it is a Force of Will deck that preys on other Force of Will decks while being able to check... I mean, eight Force of Will effects post-board is really kind of crazy against a combo deck, but I don't know if it's fast enough for some of the combo decks. Without the image, I don't think... Because it used to be able to, like, cheese Reanimator and Show and Tell. Without the image, I can't see how you win those matchups now, but... I mean, you, st- you still, I guess, are a forcible chalice deck, so maybe that's enough. Uh, yeah, this deck probably wants a number of surgical, but I mean, Relic of the Progenitus and Chalice, it's harder to justify surgical when you can't cantrip into it, right? Yeah. I guess, so you just want redundant effects. Maybe the four relics should just be ley lines. Um, I definitely think something along those lines. I mean, something to me is missing, but, you know, like, I'm not I'm not going to be, I haven't played the deck enough, you know, I played against it a bunch, but I haven't played it enough to be an expert one way or the other. So. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I've never played Merfolk. I don't think I'm going to play Merfolk anytime soon. Um, maybe the deck's low-key insane, but it's, it's, it, I feel like it's too dependent on how, like, how it mulligans. Uh, it mulligans fine. I mean, it doesn't have to mulligan as much because it is this pile of the same cards like you're really i mean i think the lender mulligan you know it's not a brainstorm deck and it gets to brainstorm now so that's kind of like sick right like it gets to brainstorm on its mulligans yeah i guess so it would be like the blue deck that probably benefits the most from the new rule like i'm not saying one not not signing up for merfolk anytime soon but like it does like get to cheese with true name still into a Plague Engineer because of its lords. It gets, like, everything. I don't know. I have to really... I, I, I wouldn't hate myself enough to play the deck, so... Jesus. That is an aggressive statement, but uh, I get what you're saying. I, get what I mean, he got beat by a different true name Nemesis deck, but his true names carried equipment, so... You know, I, I do think that that's kind of... I mean, because the Murpho made second, and he probably, you know, tore through... Because he got to play against a Stompy deck with, and, you know, uh, one of those Planeswalker Stompy, Ugin, Karns, that was, like, third place. And, you know, it's it's relying on its Trinisphere and Chalice, and it got to play against, an, you know, a deck with no ones in Aethervile, so it probably got to just, you know, tear through that. You know, it's not... The Reanimator matchup was probably tough. Uh, I don't know how it beat Show and Tell. 
I'm not gonna lie. So uh luck Venser. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. Just that's funny. Things. That's that's funny. Yeah. I mean I I, I mean I, I don't know. It's an interesting it's an interesting thing that we saw. And I like to see I like to see that actually come back because it looks like Fnatic beats Strifo first, which makes sense because Strifo relies on blocking with Baleful Strixes and he played Murpro. And then he beat Poker Wizard. And Poker Wizard was the reanimator deck. So and that might be the Venzer thing, like you said. I don't know. Yeah, I did watch a portion of the Strifo match and Chase did like his game one hand was good, and I'm not sure about the postboard hands. I was like bouncing through a few channels and some other stuff. Um, I mean, it's just Merfolk. Like Merfolk is the blue deck that has a good matchup against the other blue decks. That's just what it does. And if you're playing a flare blue deck and you lose to Merfolk, you shouldn't feel bad. You should just like, like if I lose to Merfolk, I'm fine with it. And if I beat Merfolk, I'm ecstatic. That's pretty much just how I feel. <laughs> I agree. Uh, there was three blades in the top eight because there was the winning deck list. Uh, Sam hands are faster than anyone. Rukas and uh, Mahi. I don't know who this person is. Eighth place list. Mahigan. The last one blade. Ma yeah, Mahigan one. Yeah, um, a lot of blade. A lot of blade. It's, I think it's really just the only playable tundra deck. Um. I imagine all the lists are within a few cards of each other, some number of whatever, Narset and stuff. I know the guy who won posted a tweet that said that he hated Narset and would cut it. And I know Sam didn't run Narset because it's it's honestly just a card that's only really good against um, other Tundra decks. And right. like, I'm fine cutting it. I mean, the Mahegan ran four Leyline to the Void, which is interesting, along with two Containment Priests, so he was just waiting for Eric Landon. He was waiting for that <laughs> to happen. Um, I well, don't know what like... happened. Maybe Eric murdered his family. Just <sighs> Mans was ready. <laughs> I mean, it looks like Fizzle played against Sam you know, in the top eight in the quarterfinals and beat him. So, you know, the Narciss probably helped him. Like, he can hate on him, but they probably got him through the Tundra matchup. Plus the main deck to Fairy Time Raveler. Sam was talking in the group chat about how he mulled a six, kept a two-lander, and didn't draw any lands. And, like, felt he bottomed a force of will. They felt like he would be okay, but um, Fizzle, like, slammed a Narset on him into some other stuff. It was just, like, whatever game. Right. Like he had the anti tundra tech and beat the tundra deck because of it. So, and then he beat, I don't know how he beat the, his back to basics must have done some work against the post deck. So, I mean, isn't that how it always is? Like everyone says post is a horrible matchup and then you just randomly back to basics them out and they die or you, it, they're like every ramp deck. Like they play two threats and then you answer them and then. You play back to basics and they die. Um, well, especially with I guess the War of the, or the Modern Horizons giving us uh, Force of Negation instead of Fluster Storms, so you can actually counter these Planeswalker threats. Plus, he had a Dovin's Veto. Yeah, he had a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, 
Agreed. But anyway, we're like super deep into these deck lists. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we can we can move faster. I just was looking, you know, talking about it with you. Like the Hogak deck showed up. That was kind of neat. I don't know. Yeah, I still don't should, know if they're good. I agree. We should probably just skip forward. Um, were there any other deck lists on any of the deck dumps that you wanted to quickly go over? Uh, I guess we can talk about the fact real quick. Depths really... In the uh, Eternal Weekend Asia, Depths really did very well. Um, it was an absurd percentage of the top eight, right? Oh, yeah. There was... <clears throat> uh, like four or something off the top of my head. One, two, three. A Hogak Vengevine. Does that have deck trips? I don't... Yeah, uh, so the top eight of the Eternal Weekend Asia was Slow Depths, Black Green Depths, uh, show and tell, slow depths, red prison, hogak depths, hogak vine, and painter. AKA, uh, if you show up in these streets playing blue cantrips, you're dead. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> run your pockets. We're stomping you out, and we're extorting your mother for money. Except for the show and tell deck, which doesn't win necessarily by casting cantrips. So it's kind of tell is the hardest part of the deck, Stephen. Yes, it, that's the only blue someone, deck. Someone once said that show and tell was the hardest part of the deck. You know? Guy's crazy. Just saying, you know? Yeah, I mean, that was a very anti-blue metagame, and Team Tusk should be happy somewhere. You know, Brainstorm died that day. So. <laughs> uh, there was the... Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything interesting in the Legacy dump, the Legacy deck dump we had on the 17th. Uh, there was a John Plug deck. Uh, no, it just looks like a whole smattering. There's there's black blue ninjas featuring my favorite nesting doll artifact, Retrofitter Foundry, which people are now starting to see and get kind of baffled by. Yeah, I don't know, Stephen. All I know is that Chantel is the hardest part of the deck. There are fucking tons of stuff that people can put in, play off of it to answer it. Sneak and Show requires you to have a super in-depth understanding of all the decks in Legacy to know what they can put in against you and how to answer it. Do you jam Emrakul for the win? Do you put in Sneak Attack for the ramp effect? Do you go Gristlebrand knowing it's going to die? Or are you okay with that so you can refill your hand? It requires a lot of thought about your opponent's deck more than any power of the smart deck. This is a uh, meme for those people unaware <laughs> on uh, show and tell players that uh, has it's been going around for a it's long a time. Quote. It's a quote. It's a quote. Anyway, we should probably. Uh, you know what you, probably... you know what you put in on show and tell. You put in Urza Lord High Artificer, and that was why I I posted this for show notes. The deck dump it has Creator Stompy in there. It is oh the my um, God. It Rich is the shame. Mono Blue Urza. Rich died to like turn one Urza into turn two Karn into turn three Microsoft Lattice, which is the best flavor win I've ever seen, ever. Oh, you the Urza... Antiquities War. <laughs> true, true. I forgot that. But Urza created Karn and Karn created um, Mirrodin, which is where the Microsoft Lattice is. And then Antiquities War is just a reference to Urza's life. So it's like that whole deck. It's Urza flavor tribal, and I love it. I love every moment of there it. There were Urza bobbles. There were Urza's bobbles. Just everything about that deck. 
not like, Mishra. He's not invited to the party. <laughs> there were no Mishra bobbles in this deck list. You can look at it. I think this was intentional. This man loves Urza. <laughs> or a woman. You know, True. I'm them. sorry. Apologize. We this, support women this, and non-binary folk. This person, this with his seat of the synods, he was ready. He said, I am, our, I am prepared to worship Urza, and I love it. Yeah, I respect it. Thugging out here on these streets, gang shit. Um, but that was it. We can go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just a quick tangent. Anurag Das is doing coverage of the Asian Eternal Weekend. Um, he did the first portion. I believe he and John Sidkenick did all the Swiss on his Twitch stream, uh, twitch.tv backslash omzi104. Yep. Uh, let me make sure I have that correct. No, that's correct. Well, you forgot to mention Honey somewhere in there, but yes. Yeah, and, yeah twitch.tv backslash ANZI104. Uh, he's doing coverage. I've done coverage with Honor before. He's great. Uh, John was great as a co-host. And they're going to cover the top eight probably sometime this weekend. I'm not sure when. Uh, check it out. I think you'll love it. I personally enjoyed it. And it's fast. Like they move, they move quite a clip to it. It's not. Yeah. It's it's very fast. It's very satisfying. If you want to get that, I actually watched it live through the night, and it was not that fast watching it live. So I had wished that I I, I knew that they were going to do it, but I was like at the same time I couldn't sleep and wanted to catch it. So I should have just waited because when I rewatched it with them, it was so much faster. Yeah, Honoran puts so much work into his stream. It's amazing. His stream is one of the best magic streams, and uh, I hope he gets more viewers and more people interested in him. It's probably a constraint of just streaming Legacy, but if he ever got into Arena or Modern, I think he would blow up. I honestly do. He's an amazing streamer. And he will play cards that you will never play together. That man will put two cards that do not belong together together, and it's amazing. As long as it says draw a card or two or three, he's going to do it. I promise. Not going to lie, there's a portion of my testing process that consists of mentioning cards to Onrock to play, and then stepping back and watching him play them, like um, Savin's Reclamation. Um. When the card dropped, I mentioned Onrock, hey, I think this is playable, and for those of you who don't know, Savin's Reclamation is two colorless and a white, uh, and it's a Grave Titan ETB trigger. Return target uh, permanent with CMC. Sun Titan. Sun, Sun Titan. Titan. I, I don't know why I keep defaulting Grave Titan. It is Sun Titan, yes. It returns a CMC three or less uh, permanent from the graveyard to the battlefield, and then for four and a uh, four colorless and a white, it returns... Um, two CMC three or less permanents from the graveyard to the battlefield. And I mentioned on regular, that's probably playable in miracles. And we played it in the challenge. And it was gross. There was situations where he was like playing in storm. And uh, unfortunately on likes to build his decks with no win cons, but he, whatever he was playing in storm and he was all in on Ashiok, the three drop one killing his opponent, not the three drop one, the new three drop one, the, uh, mill, mill four, great. Get rid of your graveyard. You can't search your deck. Yes, sir. And 
um, Dream Render or whatever. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, and he was just doing shenanigans with, like, using up Ashok, returning it. There's other fun stuff you can do. Like, if it's a fairy plus, you can flash it back and return, like, a Narset in a Vendillion, clicking your own trust up. There's a lot of just dumb stuff you can do with the card. And I'm not sure if the card is, like, actively good, but there's a lot of design space to explore. And I think it's it's a very powerful effect that historically has been very expensive and right now it's very cheap so i'm very i'm very interested in uh seeing where it goes i agree i think the like you know we've discussed it when we were talking about the commander cards including the one that actually didn't exist and uh it was one of the ones that we both gravitated towards and i think like in a proactive tundra shell it might actually be even better yeah um Speaking of which, uh, Matt Murray, Chubby Rain, um, has been playing in Esper List. Where is it here? Where we He's been playing in Esper List with Seven's Reclamation. That is um, four sorts of plowshares, four blind storm, four ponder, one spell snare, two thoughtsies, three snapcaster, two Lilian's triumph, four baleful strike, two reclamation, one force of negation. Three Narset, one two the slaughter, three Teferi, one Kaya Orzov server, two Jace the Mind Sculptor, two Force of Will, and then the sideboard is one Flusterstorm, one Pyroblast, two Surgical, three four three Pyre or Nile Storms, one Pithing Needle, uh, one Celestial Purge, one Disenchant, one Delvin's Veto, one Zealous Persecution, one Toxic Deluge, one Plague Engineer, one Engineer, Jesus Christ. Matt, you need to stop hanging out with Noah Walker. Um, anyway, um, the deck seems interesting to me. We were talking in Onward's chat about the potential for like an Esper Control or Esper Stoneblade list that utilized this card. And I like Matt's first draft. Uh, I watched him play against Jarvis, and he just thoroughly destroyed Jarvis on depths. Um, I, I haven't been happy with plow sorts of plasher shells that lean specifically on swords because the depth shells can really overload sword but i kind of like what matt is going for i get the lily on his triumphs he doesn't have any main deck answers for true name nemesis and probably has to run them obviously i'd be a mo- bit more happy with uh tyrant Storm because i've been so high on the card and have been utilizing it, but you can also see Matt's vintage background shining through with five answers for depths, or not depth, uh, dredge slash just general grave hate. I don't think you need two surgical and three Nile spell bombs. You can probably get away with two and two, and probably one another disenchant effect or something of that sort. Uh, but this is an interesting starting point, and Kaya is oddly good right now. Um, it wasn't a card that I thought of, but I've seen it in action a couple times, and it really chews through the graveyard and shuts off Ren and Six. And you were playing modern for a while, right? As an answer to the graveyard, the Phoenix decks and stuff like that. It was being played a lot. Um, it was played in one tournament. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I'm blanking out on his name. He played Esper Control with Kaya in the main deck and. It was just, you know, really good for that tournament because the deck was abnormally good against Phoenix and he played against it infinite times during the tournament. So 
Um, I don't know. I find this list interesting. I was talking to Anurag about maybe like a mentor blade list that could be potentially powerful, uh, utilizing reclamation, and we'll see how the card pans out. I'm not sure if it'll ever be tier one, but I do think that there is something to explore there. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I don't. I mean, I'm not sure. I like the card. I think it's probably by playing in the control decks, it's it's not quite the same. I think it'll probably be something that's broken with, you know, there's so many different other options of like, you know, faithless loot to silly things together that are permanents. And then you can on the next turn, start putting them to the test, cast this to get the two things back and win the game. If they force the will it, you get to flash it back the next turn, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's, that would be something I'm more afraid of, but I, I definitely think the card is playable. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm i not, yeah, I, I just don't know how good it actually is, but I think it's definitely something to explore. If you're someone dedicated to just hunt for a life, you know. Um, definitely. Like I said, I, I mean, I, I think it'll, it'll probably be broken into, like, you know, playing something more proactive with it, but it's definitely something neat, and maybe give the Tundra deck something proactive to seek. Yeah, for sure. Like, buying back Stone Forges is a non-trivial thing. Buying back Narsets. A lot of people, even though a lot of people have been saying they don't like Narset, uh, there's also Teferi or other three-drops. You can buy back True Name. I think White having a reasonably costed reanimation effect is very reasonable and potentially exploitable. And I know Nar or Anurag was playing a four-color Ben Pile that had the card in it. And I, I wasn't particularly happy with his list specifically. Um, my issue with it was that he didn't actually have a win con. And I think if his opponents realized that they should just make him play out the game, they would have decked him. Uh, that the list would have been significantly worse. His list was four win and six, one deck Vaden, two Narset, one Teferi, Time Raveler, one Karn, the Great Vader, uh, Four brainstorm, four ponder, one spell snare, four sort of splashers, two force negations, four forcible, one magmatic single, three Arkham's Astrolabe, one blood moon, three humility, two Savin's reclamation, and the sideboard was three engineer explosives, two forester storm, one pithing needle, two power blasts, two veil of summer, one liquid metal coating, three return to nature, one ash after render, and the takeaways I got from it were the card package was pretty terrible. Uh, he was boarding in the engineer explosive most of the time, and he didn't have time to actually tune for the, the liquid metal coating. And I think that Karn is just not that great of a card unless you actually have fast mana to support it. Uh, the Dak Faden was actually pretty great, and Savin's Reclamation plus Ren and Six of them is pretty obnoxious. Because you can Strifo proud, you know that right now you just made Strifo proud. Oh, I know, I know. Somewhere in the world, Strifo just, like, stopped. Face Hansen's like, he got wings. <laughs> he got he got tingling. He's flying. <laughs> He's flying across the Midwest right now, you know. Um, but, I don't know. Anurag's list is kind of built to just try and maximize the effect of these one-ofs. And I think Savin's Reclamation, in, in essence, like, more powerful if you try to maximize redundancy. So you play more deck games and let them die, and then you get to ult your plane blockers and then immediately buy them back. That's the power, right? Like, never having to 
plus your Planeswalker past their ult, just to ult them the next turn. And that gets me thinking about Liliana the Veil. And Liliana the last token, which are cards we've been talking about. And uh, I think Liliana the Veil could potentially be very good right now. And they think that maybe Seven's Reclamation, some sort of Esper mid-range Stoneblade, what have you, shell that utilizes Liliana the Veil could be really good. Um, or what if I could? What if I told you you don't play the blade package? Yeah, I mean that's what matters. Play good cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could not play the blade package. I like the blade package because of what we discussed earlier in terms of just being able to goldfish well. Um, but that's definitely something to explore. Um, the other thing is Onrock has two lonely sandbar on his list, and I think kind of ubiquitous amongst the four color decks. But the second sandbar is a bit too much. Uh, That's why we play Cephalid Coliseum. You have been playing Cephalid Coliseum. Uh, How would you tell us about that? Um, I I do have to give credit to E.W. Landon. uh, Eric Landon streams. He's great. I don't know his Twitch thing, but it's easy to find out. It's hashtag meme. I might reanimate people. I might not. That's Eric Landon. And I was watching him play his version of the four-color deck, and he had a Cephalid Coliseum in it. And I remembered that I played something similar in Oathbreaker, which is another format that I don't want to talk about. It's like my fun format. So um, I... Your best life blue thing. Right. And I... You know, he. I saw this. We got Leovold, we got Narset, we got Cephalid Coliseum. And it hit me, there are so many times with Renin 6, it wasn't even more the combo, which I'll get to later. It's the fact that, like, you have, like, three or four lands in your hand. And you're flooding, and it kind of, like, mitigated the flood. It, like, basically cuts you through three cards into your deck. And, you know, that's that's great. And then, you know... With Narset and Leovold and getting people in their upkeep, you actually activate it because a lot of people don't realize because it's played in Dredge and you know they don't target you you with it in Dredge, but you can. It's target player. So you target them in their upkeep and it forces them to draw and discard instantly. So as long as they have less than if they have, you know, three cards or less, they are going to mind twist and miss their draw step because of Narset and Leovold. And that, you know, that gives the deck some range that it doesn't have and, you know, eases up your K command, you know, and it comes in an untapped land. So I liked it a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the, the 1912 decks definitely want some number of untapped lands that have utility. Uh, the second sandbar is kind of meh, but I do like the idea that you can have a pseudo sandbar slash pseudo brainstorm effect that also can just hem to track up coming out, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, now mind you, I want to say, our 1912 references has to do with the uh, Iceberg deck list, and I'm not playing any ass-o-labes in my deck, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I love the card. I was high on it a couple, couple episodes ago. Moving on, I've moved away from it because I've complained about my blue count while I've had four colorless cards in my deck and I've grown up and realized I'm just gonna man up. I don't need those uh I don't need those mana fixers. 
Yeah, so like the four color decks are obviously very powerful. And my issue with Astrolabe is that it, it takes four crucial spots out of your deck. It's not interaction, it's not you know, discard, it's 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 not anything that does anything relevant to the opponent, it's just an additional mana fixer. And I think a lot of players are prioritizing playing their astrolabes as opposed to playing like ponders or whatever. And it's leading to a lot of trap situations. Um, like I've recently been, I started tutoring someone and they want to get better at the four color control deck, just general control decks and legacy a bit better. And we were reviewing some of their matches and they led on astrolabe in situations where they should have led on ponder because their hand quality wasn't actually that great. It was like, Ponder, Brainstorm, Astrolabe, some lands, or maybe a Bolt, and I was just like, you should probably be searching for a Brainstorm or something. And that my issue with Astrolabe is just that the card, I don't think you can afford that many slots just to make your mana work in Legacy. You, you have to consider your blue count. You have to consider your impactful spells count. And when you, you get also into... also fetch poorly. You actually fetch right. poorly. Like, that's the problem. You having to fetch for a basic island because you have a single ponder and an astrolabe, and then you have abrupt decay, uh, lightning bolts, fatal push, red and six. Those are the rest of your cards. And yeah, now we, you're like hurting. Yeah, we saw that on camera. Um, at the SCG, Noah Walker played against Brad Bonin. Brad was uh, unfortunately missing land drop, which, you know, sometimes happens, and this deck really struggles when it misses land drops. But Noah made the heads-up play of Wastelanding a fetch land, which forced Brad to fetch a basic island because Noah had a Ren and Six in the tank. And when something like that happens, you end up in a spot where your mana base is like what Brad had, where it's island, island, swamp, and then your hand is like Coligan's Command, or Brook Decay, Assassin's Trophy, or whatever. And you end up in a position where you can only cast one spell per turn. And it's really just unfortunate and not that great and you end up in a spot where your deck doesn't function on a level of efficiency that's actually passable for legacy as a format well you and also lean on artifacts in the deck anyways usually because you have baleful structures and stuff and so like the rug delver deck will bring in ancient grudges just to clear blockers and if you give that rug a chance if they see like basic island basic island astrolabe you know they're going to kill it. Oh, I'm I mean, blowing up your astrolabe every time. Just pew pew. Right, just, and you just, you, and I mean, that that just, it makes your deck terrible. So I actually think, like, you know, I moved away from it. Um, I'm running two groves and then two more dual lands. Um, I'm only running groves because my local metagame has a healthy obsession with, or unhealthy obsession with DNC, and I need to I needed red blast or red kill spells because of the amount of red Marin Crusaders that are floating around it. So I went with, and I don't like the one of lightning bolt. So I went with two punishing fires, but like, I, you know, it, you could be like Thomas Marr and just run the third wasteland and more duels. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. I just think anything's better than running those snow lands and those snow artifacts. Yeah, I'm totally fine with Thomas Mars' list, uh, who is, I believe, Svaka, S-V-A-C-A on Moto. And he top-baited a challenge not too long ago, and he's just playing four Renin 6, 
three based on mind sculptors and then no basic lands. He's just all in on here's my good cards. If you blood moon stompy me, then you know, whatever. I signed up for it. I'm gonna move on with my life. Um looking at his list, I did notice that he has three abruptly, one fatal flesh one lightning bolt, which makes me wonder if he's a bit weak to Delver shells. And he also has no edicts, which means he's a bit weaker to true name, I guess. He has three plague engineers on the sideboard. Yeah, I was gonna say he has three plague engineers. He has outs. Yeah. Board. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would like to see is you know the podcast invitational card tyrant scorn for this week. Um, yeah, he I'm, also has four baleful strikes total in the seventy-five. Yeah, there's three main and one sideboard, which is interesting. I think I would cut the sideboard one for an actual answer for Merlage. That's that's my primary issue with this list is that he doesn't have many dedicated answers for Merlis. He's just like trying to stall and then untapping like Jace bounce it, which is kind of a dubious proposition when you have he has consider, like five discard spells too. He has five in yeah, the main. You can't, you can't thought he's a dark guy though. Oh no, I agree. I'm just saying like I'm I'm shocked because like five discard spells. And then five Force of Will effects. That's just a lot. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting list. Uh, I like the two Sylvan Libraries on the sideboard, but I'm inclined to cut them from other cards. And I like the fact that you can cut two Jace against Delver Shells and Board and Sylvan Library is more mana, like less mana intensive uh, effect that also like pulls you ahead. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got. I, so I, I mean, I look. I didn't see this list until after I built mine. I've been playing mine. I like it, and I think you, you actually pointed me out that this was Thomas Marr, and because um, I missed when he was on camera at uh, the card market event, I missed like the, the extension for Cardboard Live. It wasn't up, and I, I just missed it. So I didn't get to see his actual list. Yeah, so he, if this is him, this is great. If it's not, like, but it was interesting to me because he has less permanent sources of land and more fetch lands. Yeah, that's definitely interesting, and I think I'm fine with it. Like, Because it's 11. 11 fetch lands. Like, he has four rented picks, so once you ult that card, you definitely want more fetch lands, and he has three Jace, so you want you want to be able to maximize those effects as much as possible. So I, I can agree with those but numbers. So what does that add up to? He's got 21 lands, so... Three yeah. waste, four, seven. So he's got seven duels. So that's not bad. I mean, like I said, it's a different take on the list. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it. His blue counts is different. I'm not, you know, it's one of these things where I look at the list. I'm like, it's kind of neat. I don't know. Most of his blue cards I wouldn't want to pitch. And I know that's not something well, that's you should. Just, that's just where we're at in like, right? Where like all of your blue cards you don't want to pitch. Because like, the format is in a spot where you're being forced into a level of efficiency and power where every card in your deck has to be good and you can't afford to play just, like, these random fun-ofs and, and cards you like and I have fun. Whatever. This is the Thunderdome. So every card you're pitching is going to be a good card. So when you're casting Forceful, you have to make sure this is a spot where I actively have to cast it. As opposed to, oh yeah, I can just cast Force Will and keep going on about my day. Like, we've been spoiled as Miracles players, right? Where we just have a glut of extra cantrips and random other cards. So we can 
force pitch whatever and kind of think of it as an afterthought whereas everyone else in the format has to actually think of it as a like a really big impact on the potential way the game could play out his deck is neat. I think his deck is very good against fair decks and combo decks, and it's probably what his deck... Like, he's not good against the weird decks as much, like DNT or, like, the Stompy decks, but he's going to crush all fair and combo decks alike. I mean, he's got five discard, five force wills, and then he's got three baleful strixes and some removal. And a lot of his removal is unconditional with the abrupt decays and stuff, so it's, you know... And then his, his sideboard strengthens... All of those things, like either way, combo and um, fair. So, I, I mean, I can see his deck is very focused, probably compared to mine, where I'm trying to build more of an open deck. So, yeah, tell me about your deck list, though. You have some number of groves and some number of tyrant scoring, but like how many Balfour Strikes? What else are we looking at? Just so uh, the listeners can get an idea. So, my deck is two Balfour Strikes, one Leovold, three Snaps, two Plague Engineers is my creature package. Um, one Narset, three Rens, three Jaces is my Planeswalker package. I have the four Brainstorms, four Ponders, two Push, two Decays, one Liliana's Triumph, one um, Tyrant's Scorn, two Punishing Fires, four Force of Wills, two Thought Seas, um, two Commands, and then the mana base is... It's actually two Badlands, two Trops, one Bayou, one Sea, one Volcanic, two Wastelands, two Groves, one Lonely Sandbar, one Cephalid Coliseum, a random set of fetches that manages to get all that stuff together. And then the sideboard is uh, a Toxic Deluge right now. I was running a third Plague Engineer, but I keep running into issues where people have adapted into the metagame on X1s. So I liked having the Unconditional Sweeper a little better. I run five Blast Effects, three red, two blue, um, a Nile Spellbomb, a Liliana the Veil, two Assassin's Trophies, and I think that's it. Um, I don't know the, I, I don't have the list right in front of me, so I'm going off. Oh, I have one Pulse of Marasa because we have Burn in my metagame, and I wanted another Grave Hate that was also anti-Burn. So, but I, I mean, I love the list. The list is very good. It's very, if you've got a fair metagame, you're going to destroy it. And you've got enough sideboard cards um, with the two Force of Negations, one Inquisition, um, Liliana the Veil. They all pull weight in the fair metagames. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, like, legacy metagames are often overwhelmingly fair. Uh, thinking back to my most recent legacy paper tournaments, I've I haven't played against much Storm. I haven't played I played a bit against like Black Rabbit, but like the general the way the format plays out is people are going to play a lot of fair ponder deck. You know, they're gonna play a lot of fair green decks or whatever. So I'm a bit more willing to hedge towards fair shells in paper, and then on Moto, I'll maybe make an extra hedge for combo, etc., because players are more easily able to adjust their deck selection based on uh, what they think the format is as opposed to what they prefer. But in paper, people often just play what they're what is available to them. I also have another Tyrant Scorn on the sideboard. That was, I think that's probably 15. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I've been more worried about like depths and fair decks, and then like reanimator. I don't know. I'm I'm fine with reanimator. Uh, Daryl Daryl Ayers played Croprot Caracas, correct? In a sideboard. Yes, he did, and I'm actually a fan of that. Um, when I played the four color or 1912 deck, uh, we should probably explain that. So. Kind of, not really. So we've been we've been joking around. I, I I made a joke on Jarvis's stream, and typed in. You know, I was actually typing in something about Berg because it used to be like the Castlevania reference. Is that? Yeah, it was. Uh, what's his? Oh, Eric Rill used to play that deck. He was that. He loved that deck before it was cool. Eric Rill did it. So, um, I was thinking about Berg in this four color deck, and I was getting ready to type it up. And I think I put Snowberg, and it hit me. Iceberg. Like, you know, Iceberg. Big giant ice in the water. And so I typed in Little Ice, Big Berg, and Jarvis's stream, and we all kind of, you know, got a little giggle out of it. But uh, this morning, Mr. Harmon, what did you make a joke about it? I made a joke about uh, Iceberg relating to the Titanic, and the Titanic crashed in 1912. So legacy naming conventions have always been pretty horrible and just been like these weird inside jokes like Cheerios, uh, Cheerios, random cereal names. Ice Station Zebra? Ice Station <laughs> Zebra is a name. So Ice Station Zebra is a variant of Nickfit. And Nickfit is a uh, name of a C-Lab 2020 episode. And all Nickfit variants are named after C-Lab 2020. So Ice Station Zebra is a... Episode no. of C Lab Twenty Twenty, to my understanding. No, Ten Fins. It's Ten Fins. Ah, uh, Ten Fins, not Tech. Oh my God, I was thinking okay. Joe Dyer because he's the one who explained it to me, and my mind automatically associates Joe Dyer with um, Nick Fit, not Ten Fins. Yeah, Mr. Greg Mitchell can <laughs> tell you about Ten Fins, the Platinum Onion, and uh, Ice Station Zebra. I'm not sure if that was he was in part of that, but yeah. There's that. There's Cheerios. There's um, the Eskimo one. Oh gosh. Regardless, legacy naming convention is really horrible and starts going down these like lanes of inside jokes. So anyway, four color control became four color snow, which is now four color Titanic or whatever, which is now 1912. So if you hear us say 1912, you know what's up. If you don't understand what's up, then uh, you probably don't listen to this podcast, and we get to confuse all the normies with our terrible naming conventions of obscure, <laughs> obscure bullshit. Yes, <laughs> but I do. I I do believe, like you know, the the snow version is not as well positioned because I really. I mean, it's it's basically like Legacy's trying to everybody's trying to kill each other, and you're playing a, a one colorless artifact that, while very powerful and very well suited in certain metagames. Right now, people are trying to knife you. You're getting cute. You're trying to get your rapier out and set in your stance because that's what you're doing. You're setting your stance. And they just, like, walk up and knife you right in the ribs. They don't wait for you to get in stance. They don't wait for you to stay on guard. They just stab you and keep yeah, walking. Yeah, it's that scene from um, Indiana Jones where, like, the guy is, like, ready and he does the whole sword flourish and everything. And then Harrison Ford just shoots him in the chest. Um I I agree. Like these decks, they can't really afford the extra four slots 
for Astrolith. It's kind of a do-nothing. It solves your mana, I get it. But, you know, we were talking earlier about a list that played five basic islands that someone posted on Twitter, and they had, like, Blood Moon on the side for it. I, uh, it, was, it was too much of a stretch for me. Um, I felt that they were just... They, there are necessary interaction points that people are cutting to be able to have their mana work in these four-color decks. And your options are either don't have your mana work under Wasteland and play Astrolabe and hope that everything comes together. Or the second option is just YOLO, Thomas Marr, play no basic lands, have all of your spells be castable because of your mana base intrinsically, and go from there. And I'm inclined to just play the Thomas Marr idea of just like, I'm fine getting Wastelander once or twice. I have Ren and Six to fix my mana, and we're going to go from there. And for those of you who don't know, Thomas Marr is the creator of Checkpile, which was a huge metagame share in Death Rate Shaman's Legacy. So. And, and service announcement, Ren and Six is not Death Rite Shaman. You cannot fix your mana that well. Get them islands out of your deck. Get them out. Oh, yeah. Basic Island, just... The number of times I've gone fetch Basic Island, cast Astrolabe, and just, like, look at my man and go, you know, this doesn't exactly work, but it's good enough. It's way higher than I really wanted to do, or wanted to be, and I really just want to move on with my life. Uh, well, you could regard. ponder. You could ponder into a one-mana spell like Deathrite Shaman and cast it with the other land. You cannot put Basic Island ponder and cast red and six the next turn unless you run a bad colorless artifact in your deck yeah exactly and i honestly feel like astrolabe is a trap i think that um these decks really should just maximize their interaction points and be more relevant against the fair decks and combo my experience playing against them has been just running through them with delver decks just having an aggressive start they can't really do anything they have to like play their Astrolabe. The only times I've really lost to these decks is when they play the White Flash for Swords of Plowshares, and they go like Astrolabe off of like Bug Mana, and then they Swords of Plowshares, my two threats. But the Grixis based decks with green, I just slap them. I just slap them upside the head, and they die. It's not really close. Like, they just, you know, I play Ren and Six eventually. They have to respect it. I, I get the, it's still a check pile issue, right? Where like we're your Grixis desk flashing another color. We're about to have a paper fight. We're gonna have I a paper to fight. Land you off of your fourth color, even if you play too basic or whatever. So I get to constantly keep you off of either your buff case or your Colgan stance or whatever, whatever mana like intensive effect that you have. Uh, you're not gonna cast it efficiently, and even if you answer my Ren and Six once it hits, you know, six loyalty or whatever. You've gotten wastelanded two or three times. You've gotten put behind pretty far, and it just doesn't matter. Like I, we're gonna have gonna a paper fight. You. I'm gonna build my. I'm gonna build both decks. I'm gonna bring it over. We're gonna have a paper fight. <laughs> I play my Grixis Green deck. Oh, I'm ready. I mean, I'm cheating a little bit. I have like punishing fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, punishing fire doesn't ask for death right shot. Weak boy. <laughs> right. Hey, where's your death right? 
You don't got one. <laughs> oh, Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what it does? Main deck Tyrant Scorn. <laughs> Fatal push. <laughs> Sorry, I had flashbacks to dazing, punishing fire, and eating with Deathrite Shop, and then watching my opponent's deck just fall apart. Um, um, yeah. Uh, so you definitely are big into this four-color Delver deck. That's your, that's your baby. Yeah, I've been jamming a bunch of the deck. Um, people have been asking me for, like, sideboard guys or whatever. Uh, what I'm thinking about doing right now is creating a primer for the deck. Um, part of it would be I would need to just solidify these sideboard plans. And I think what I want to do is hit up a bunch of legacy aficionados and grind out matchups against them just to get a better idea and... I realize I should probably record that, and I think maybe that should be something that would go up on our Patreon. Um, Did you maybe, say Patreon? Maybe, maybe that's something we should do. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe that. Maybe we should start getting into that game. Uh, what like do you it. think? I like it. I like that, uh, and that is a you know that is something that we've been considering heavily. And we're considering different tiers and options. And, you know, what we really like is we've uh, we've really been trying to tap into you guys for ideas of what do you want from this cast and what do you want from us. So, you know, if you have any ideas for Patreon tiers, goals, ideas, anything like that, we are always open for uh, those thoughts and everything. Yeah, I have a couple ideas that um, are pseudo fleshed out. Like I said, the the four color Delver primer. Um, I may do one for no bad cards rug, but Max Storchen at Min Max Blog has been doing a lot of content about no bad cards rug, and I think you should just hit him up. Uh, you know, Max and Minifajul. I almost called him Minifer because I'm used to just calling him Min. Because it's his name. Yeah, it's his uh, his screen name. Um, but yeah, hit them up. They're great. Um, they're producing a lot of awesome content, mostly legacy-centric, if that's what your jam is. And I highly recommend their work. They're great players. I've learned a lot from Max. I've learned a lot from Min. Uh, and uh, I 10 out of 10 endorse them. Yeah, um, they're, they are data analysts that produce legacy content and still have a creative flair about it. So it's great. I think that they were one of my favorite things because, like, they're very analytical, but they're also fun. So, you know, I like it. Yeah, exactly. And um, we'll see where I get with this four-color primer. I'd like to get it published soonish. So probably in the next week or so, I'll be hitting up various legacy players uh, to jam games against me in their respective uh, formats of uh, not profession uh, preference not preference um, specialty I guess and I would like to uh, you know maybe post those VODs or what have you so that's something to look out for I'll be working well, on that I'll tell you what I want you to look at and everybody listening to this right now at our two-hour point or whatever. Um, I posted something in the show notes. I'm hopefully I'm going to post these show notes into our uh, into the 
down below this podcast. And there's a crazy deck that I missed at the 114th KMC in Japan. And that was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was on the 11th and I missed this. And I happened to be looking at all the deck lists to, to t- for us to talk about. And now Lawrence has not seen it yet. Is about to take a look at this deck list that we are shameful for missing. What am I looking at, Steve? I mean, I see a thirst for knowledge. Boom. So I mean, come on. What, I, what's the name of the cast? I respect this person on a deep level. You know, I see a thirst for knowledge. I see a tribute mage. Uh, I see an Urza. I see Urza, Baleful Strix, Goblin Engineer, Walking Ballista. There is a lot going on here. Um, it's Urza Thopter Sword with Chouse of the Void is the most bare bones description I can think of. Um, I'm Echo, Echo Wellspring, Legacy All Star. I mean, you mean you Modern All Star? It's, sure. It's, it's realistically just Grixis Urza for Modern ported into Legacy, but then they realized they could play Soul Lands and uh, Thirst for Knowledge, which is just the brainstorm deck for Chalice of the Void Shells, which, you know. And Toxic Dailers. They get better spells. Yeah. I, I, I love this deck. I mean, it took eighth out of uh, 125 people, and that field was stacked full of crazy people like him. So he was ready. I don't know how, but he was ready. I love looking at Japanese tournaments because Japanese tournaments just have so much interesting tech, and the way they perceive the metagame is so different from westernized players. And the deck lists are just so differently built and interestingly built. And I just love it. I mean, um, four lodestone golems on the sideboard. You can't beat them. You don't even know what to do against that, that card. We haven't played against that card since Metal Worker died. Yeah. See, Westernized players would just main deck them. Correct. Thing. It's, you're not play, expecting lodestone golems on the sideboard. Is that just like a sick leveling game of like, I'm going to play what apparently may be a weaker game one deck against you and then hit you with Lodestone out of the sideboard? Or is it like, like, what is that? Like, what is the logic behind it? I want to know. It's in my Badlands City of Traders, Seed of Sanad deck. Those were all lands in this deck. Like, every westernized zombie deck that plays a heavy artifact just plays for Lodestone in the main game main deck and sideboard is other stuff but this person is all in on just doctor sorting the opponent out and i guess maybe this is transformational sideboard yeah i think that's what it's like he's thirsty he wants to cast his thirst for knowledge he wants to cast it and then when post board when he's got to get you know he's got to go knife someone he gets out the golem and puts the thirst for later after he's parched yeah i agree i respect the thirsty mage you know yeah. Um, so, t- you know, hats off to uh, Fujimoto Masuki. I don't know who you are. You're amazing. You are amazing. <laughs> it's Masaki, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're like a 40 year old white man. We don't expect you to pronounce <laughs> any actually, sort of foreign name <laughs> remotely correctly. <laughs> I'm actually a 40 year old white man. And if you give me. Hispanic name, I'm all over it. People, <laughs> people from South Africa, I'm all over it. I worked with people like that. I've got their names. Japanese name, didn't work with many Japanese people. Don't know their names. I'm terrible. Oh, my God. Oh. 
So we can butcher some names coming up here. With uh, we 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 posted to Twitter that we wanted some questions from you guys, and we've got some we got some questions. So uh, and this one's to you. I'm going to ask you, Lawrence, because it's it's for, it's for you. It's not for me. How can you tell if a card qualifies for no bad card rug, Mister Michael Clifford? If it's not Nimble Mongoose or Stifle. That's basically the idea behind that deck. Um, Stifle has a very low floor and a very high ceiling, and Noble Mongoose is the same. And the idea behind No Bad Card Rug was just to have a deck where you're, you still had a pretty good ceiling, but your flow wasn't you're super low. And that's, that's basically the long and short of it. So if it's a card that will always trade almost for irregardless of the situation. So like Chain Lightning, Fork Bolt, whatever. Those cards can still go to the face and close out a game, but Stifle can't. You need your opponent to make certain plays for those cards to be relevant. And that's that's the idea behind No Bad Cards Rug. It's just a rug deck that's a mid-range deck. Like every Delver deck that Max and I build is secretly just a mid-range deck. And if you look at them as a mid-range deck, the logic behind them makes way more sense. Um, hot take, every Delver deck for the last, like, three years is a mid-range deck. Except for Stifle Rug Delver. But yeah, that's, not a, that's not a deck. Wow. <laughs> Coming out swinging. I said the, in the last three years. <laughs> right. True. 2012 wasn't three years ago. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Um. Yeah, sorry about that. I know I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get. Some, we're gonna get stifled with uh, hate mail. But uh, yeah, Rug Delver, old Rug Delver, Canadian Thresh, it's gone. GSY, so. please don't hate us. I know you do well with stifled decks, and you're like the best stifled player on Moto. I respect you, and uh, yeah, I'm not as good as a stifled pilot as you. Pretty simple as that. Um. Uh, the next question is: Would love to hear more about your personal art preferences for legacy staples with multiple options. Kind of a silly topic, but I really like art and love to hear it discussed by people. Will Tundra Fusimato, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Will's the homie. Um, <clears throat> I personally have had an affinity towards Therese Nielsen art, but she's recently begotten canceled by magic twitter uh usually twice a year because she follows like republicans or something um other than her art i'm a fan of noah walker uh if you follow him on twitter his interactions with his wife are absolutely adorable uh rachel bradley yeah, no, no, Bradley. No, no, Bradley. No, Walker's a cool Jesus guy too. Christ. He is a cool guy too. <laughs> you can tell the tequila is hitting pretty hard tonight. Um, but yeah, Noah Bradley, his wife Rachel Bradley, they're perfect. Just follow them. Um, otherwise, I don't know if there are many other magic artists that I particularly gravitate towards. Um, Seb McKinnon. Is killing it, Seb McKillen. McKillen. Yeah, Seb. Seb has gotten a lot of work recently. What about yourself, Steve? Uh, Seb McKinnon. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to say it over and over again. The only, like, one of the only 
current artists that reminds me of the old artworks, but actually good. So it's kind of funny because like they were actually kind of memeish back in the day, like show and tell the original art. It's it's a meme. It's hysterical. It was a meme before it's a meme. So I loved it. Um, recycle. There's a lot of old cards that I that he kind of reminds me of his artwork. I mean, he's more dark gothic, but it's still great. Um, Rebecca. Oh, I never know how to say. Oh, her Rebecca name. Guy. Yeah, I love Rebecca, Rebecca Guy. Guy. Ancestral Memories, great. Uh, Predict, obviously great. Uh, there's just so many cards that she did that's amazing. I think she did one of the Path to Exiles. It's great. I yeah, I, I totally forgot about Rebecca Guy. She's one of my favorite artists. She just doesn't do magic art anymore, which is very unfortunate. Right. Uh, RK Post, also great because he's funny and will draw anything for you. He for is at every magic tournament I've ever been at, ever. Um, he'll show up to FNM. RK Post is there in the corner signing cards. It's great. Uh, hit your boy up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Poole, also amazing and great. And, you know, the the old school counterspell with the fingers. It's I mean, come on. That's amazing. Uh, just, I, I can say, like, you know, I, I obviously love the art. I have multiple copies of Miracles for a reason because I just, you know, love the different art styles. So, um, I don't know. This question's really hard for me because, you know, I don't like it. most of the new art because it kind of deliberately slaps you in the face with what it's portraying. And it's there's no, like, you know, me looking at it and trying to figure it out. Like the whole goif from Future Sight, you don't know what it is. That's what's so I scary. love Future Sight goif. I will fucking fight you, Steve. That's what uh, I, I'm saying. That's what I'm about it. You don't know what it is. <laughs> like, that's what's good. Because, like, in, it's the Jabberwocky. It's like whatever you envision as the Jabberwocky from that poem is the future cycle. And that's what I like about the art. It's it has a distinct image, and if you really look closely, you can see what the like outline and the idea of the goy is. But if you if you really just don't care and you want to imagine what a tarmography is to you, like a big scary thing that's what it is and that's what i love about the art like i don't like the modern master is it, it defines the goyf way more than i'd like and i think that part of the allure of the goyf was the fact that it was open-ended for each individual to really decide what they wanted it to be well i think that's what I, that, so that's what i was like um basically saying was i don't like most of the modern art styles because they tell you, they, they they depict it clearly and tell you what they want to tell you, as opposed to leaving that little bit of like, what is really going on in that stasis? What the heck is a bear doing up there with a clown? I don't know, <laughs> but it's cool. Like, you know, and I think that people don't, you know, people take that for granted. They're like, you know, our, our wizards thinks that that's what we want. We want to be told what's going on in the card. And instead, just give us that little bit of, uh, let's have McKinnon draw the Suicide Kings on a card and call it a day. You know, let him do that. You know, that's what's great. I, I, kind of, I miss that, and I'm glad that there's at least one new artist granting me that mysticism. I agree. 
I thoroughly agree. Um, what's the next question we had? A lot of people initially saw Renan Six as a powerhouse for Maverick lands and other lands-based strategies, only be disappointed by its revival of four C soup strats. What would make it uh, to a card of power level that doesn't immediately become stolen by air quotes stolen by four color blue? Um, this is cool. it would have to be double of an off blue color. It would have to be like double red or double green, basically. Uh, when you have just red-green, that's too easy of a splash. Uh, if you have, like, double red, double green, whatever, it's not easy of a splash. Like, I've been ranting on Twitter about how Plague Engineer should be double black and a colorless, and that would mean that four-color Delver could play it. That's the deck that I've been playing the most of. And I think that having actual restricted mana costs would be a nice limiting factor for eternal formats. And I think that you know, historically, well, I know historically, black as a color has been very restrictive in terms of being a splash color because it has a lot of double black, triple black, or quadruple black effects. Um, and now they're just kind of willy-nilly, and I'm not super happy about it. Obviously, I'm going to exploit it because it's there. You'd be dumb not to, but... This, this is Carl. That's just kind of how it is, Carl. You gotta... Carl Schultz, he actually... Live your best life with what they provide you. And uh, it turns out what they're providing you is very easily explainable. He placed 13th with Four Color Delver at the Constructed event with Star City, I believe, um, with Four Color Delver. And, you know, the yeah, questions... Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I was muted. Um, this was Carl Schultz. Uh, he placed 13th at the Constructed event. Uh, for Star City, the team event. And it's a really good question, and I agree with you that I, I think it actually would take making it like double green. I don't even think double red would work. I think it'd have to be double green. It can't be double black or double red. It'd have double to be double green. playable color. <laughs> yes. I on it, like, well, you force the commitment, right? Right. You so, make it splashable for elves, but not splashable for Delver, right? Right. Or splash, you mean splashable from Maverick. But yes, yeah, like double green, I think, is the... Because I think right now, like, if you just put one green and then one playable color... Like, because even if Ren and Six was black green, you'd still play it. You're playing Abrupt Decay. Yeah. Right? Uh, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate world where, like, you have dual lands and mana is functionally free outside of just Wasteland, and when you have a card that's very easily splashable, so you can, like, splash out at no cost, and then you have Ren and Six, which really makes it no cost. Like, you can play two Black Lands and have six-plus Black spells in your deck. It's just like, yeah, whatever, I'll fetch them eventually. And that's what I've been doing with Blue Red, or Blue White, or Blue Red, Green, Black, Delver. Uh, we don't have a weird name for that deck yet. Um, but pretty much what you're saying, Force Color Delver is just there capitalizing on everything. It's pretty egregious, to be honest. Yeah, I think if you make it double green um, with another color, or double green, even like one colorless double green, and I'm pretty sure it might price most of the 4C blue decks out of it. 
because none of them, I, I mean, none of the four color Delver, no, no four color deck, four color blue control, four color Delver, they're not going to be able to play a double green spell in current configurations and be able to take advantage of all the other spells. No, not at all. I mean, it would uh, be- the four color deck is pretty predicated on the fact that you can play all of your spells off of one of whatever color that's requisite for them. And if any of your spells cost double of whatever color, you wouldn't be able to do that. You know, like you're a blue deck that's really just splashing three other colors. Right. Your your only double spells are the are Jace and Narset. I have a Liliana, but I'm only bringing it in for like very rare situations where I'm not worried about my mana base being attacked. So yeah. Liliana I mean, I, is very powerful. So um, next one, favorite legacy deck of all time and right now why plus best way to attack depths in the meta right now how could we have justified it favorite twitch lurker goblin lackey uh i think in terms of favorite deck of all time we can both just say countertop miracles right yep just just skip that point like countertop miracles Deck was busted, deck was sweet, every loss you had felt like your mistake as opposed to the opponent playing particularly well. It was the most interesting deck I played in Legacy, and every time I lost with it, I wanted to learn what I did wrong and just grow as a player. I I mean, I'll take it one step farther. Countertop Miracles post-Mentor. Because even pre-Mentor, there were still matchups that were bad. Yeah. Post-Mentor, whatever. Yep, post-mentor, it was just like, what did I do wrong as opposed to what did my opponent do right? Like, what could, how could I improve? It was the deck that single-handedly, like, forced me to get better as a Magic player. Um, what is the best way to attack Depths? That's a hard question. I think that Depths honestly doesn't really have many bad matchups. It's more just a matter of making sure you have a proactive plan to run through them as well as the universal answers for Merit Lake. And without those, I don't think you're actually that good against deaths. Yeah, I think that um, you have to threaten them some way, where where you're attacking their hand. Like, so the Delver decks can apply pressure while leaving up an answer to Lage and try to force them into a bad spot. The four color decks. I play some assassin trophies in my sideboard, and I play hand disruption, and I kind of force them. You know, even like two for oneing myself intentionally to force the issue, to allow myself to get the opportunity to get them and buy myself time to finish the game. So I really think that if you're not doing any of that stuff, you're playing death and taxes to beat them. I do believe Death and Taxes has a positive matchup against them. Yeah, but all uh, the Death and Taxes players are like cutting their good cards for Squadron Hawks. That's, that's, no, they're not. That's not real. That's not a real plan. It's like, yeah, you're beating Ren and Six, but you aren't actually beating the best deck of the format. You aren't beating Depths. You aren't actually like, like sure, you're you're marginally increasing the rate against Ren and Six, but you aren't really like. Overall, uh, making your deck better. You're just kind of making this uncomfortable hedge that you feel like you need to make, and you're still losing to a lot of the same stuff. I think, I mean, honestly, I think it's just XJ Cloud that's doing the Quad Hawk stuff. There's a lot of Death and Taxes still running around. 
especially online and even in, in different metagames. It's running around still. It's a very healthy deck. Um, it's a mediocre deck. It doesn't, you know, you do have to have some matchups swing your way because it's got some polarizing matchups. But I think if you're a very solid player and you play it, you can probably do very well. Just dodge all those four-color decks that are going to prey on you. But the four-color decks were preying on them before, and you, uh, and you played Death and Taxes, so... Could you repeat that portion? The first part of it kind of cut out. Maybe, I guess your edit, your audio will be fine, so maybe this is not an issue. Well, I, I said the four-color, like, I think that it's a mediocre deck, and you were, you know, you're playing it. You you have polarizing matchups, but if you play Death and Taxes, you're used to that. So like you're you're gonna do poorly against these four color decks, but you did poorly in the previous metagame against the four color decks. So what? There's no changes there. Yeah, so, for sure. I think like, that Death and Taxes like making these hedges for these four color shells is just like eh. I I'm not really sure where these white based players want to really go with their lives. Um, maybe Maverick. As we discussed before, I I don't know. It's it's a bit rough, right? Like I don't really, like Maverick. I don't like Maverick if if Depths is the best deck. I liked like, it before, but I don't like it now. Like when Legacy becomes four color blue suit, you really just get punished for not playing a blue deck. And I know who is it? Jet Black Blues has been doing well with like the the Snake Maverick deck that plays what's that card? It's the level up snake. Um, Hex drinker. Yeah, hex drinker. And, shift, and shifting teratops or whatever. It's the goblin pile driver dinosaur. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about this before. Like the. Uh, the shifting teratops is. Um, it feels like too much of an over. Over metagame call, right? Like. Yeah, you it's, can't. It's it's too expensive to green something it for. Its other ability requires you to have like five mana, like because it's like four to cast it, one more you can give it haste, or the next turn you can give it some other keyword. It's the dinosaur to adjectives. Who cares? Like I, right. I, I like it, but I just don't get it. Right, and the rest of the deck is just kind of like blue slayer, whatever. I watched uh, Phil Gallagher stream the hex drinker deck. And what I found was Hex Drinker as a four of was way too much. As a two or three of, it's probably fine. But I found that you're sinking a lot of mana into this card and you end up in a lot of positions where your decisions are pump my Hex Drinker or progress my board with another creature. And when you're in a situation of playing Knight of the Reliquary or, you know, pumping your Hex Drinker, it's kind of awkward and. You, you really, as a player, have to decide which is more important, right? Like, I don't think you have the mana. I don't think you have the time nor the mana in current Legacy to be fooling around with some card like that. I think you need to be killing them. Like you, I think it's got one Gaia's Cradle. Congratulations, but I'd rather just, I mean, I'd rather kill them. Like, the, the, that's the problem. Like, everybody's trying to kill you. You know, there's better Gaia Cradle decks. There's better... Like there's so many better things to do than using the, some level up snake that makes a kind of true name nemesis. Like whatever, you know. Uh, uh, for me personally, if I'm going to attack depths, I'll play one of the four C decks with three to four pieces of removal. Get your tyrant scorn, play them. Um, play death and taxes if you really want to beat depths, but you might lose to the four color decks. And 
you just be okay with that? Like, don't hedge. Because you're not going to get that matchup any better. doesn't matter what bad cards you pick from your binder. It's just not going to happen. Um, bar play a mono red deck, but I would max out on the three drop goblins because you need to kill them very quickly before they find their way to answer the blood moon and you built them up dark depths yeah i think right now like in terms of i know a lot of people like tier lists um right now i feel like my legacy tiers are like tier one depth shells uh i think the black green slow depths is very good i think uh, behind is just like the turbo decks, and then I think the Tagoras green white deck list is uh, a third in terms of those lists. I'm not sure how close it is. I feel like the discard really does a lot for that deck shell. Uh, and then after that, I feel like the Delver shells are just really good. I just have had like really good results with the Delver shells, and it, you just have the opportunity to grind everyone into oblivion, whether it's four color or no bad card drug. Um, I think there is a Grixis Delver list. I haven't personally worked on it. I've seen GSY work on a Stifle list, but it's hard to tell. That GSY always does well with Stifle in his deck, and I'm not sure if it's a matter of Stifle being good or just GSY being good with Stifle. And I want to see it's the latter. I think he's just a very good stifle Delver pilot. Um, and after that, I think four color, not four color, uh, Moon Stompy is very good. And uh, I I am curious to see how Legacy pans out from here. Um, if you had to play a Chalice deck, which one would you be playing right now? And that's Boilsy Booty. <laughs> Moon Stompy, no, no questions. I agree. Um, it comes down super fast and against a lot of the deck shells in the format. Like, even the decks that are playing, like, two or whatever, one or two colors, you can still Blood Moon them out if you hit a like, turn one Blood Moon. Like, you know, Flood Strand or whatever doesn't do anything on turn one. Uh, I'm very interested in Moon Stompy's uh, level of power. I don't know if I would play it at a GP, but that's personal preference. Unless so how good that card is in the metagame. And, uh... I mean, I, I will say with a caveat that if... if somehow Depths can get toned down a little bit, and you consider the Bomberman deck a Stompy deck, the Bomberman with Mystic Forge is really good. Yeah, I tried that list. I went 2-3, but it was partially due to Pilot Error. There were definitely a match or two that I could have won. Um... My issue with the Chalice decks is that it feels like your draw dictates whether or not you win, and I prefer the cantrips to mitigate luck as a factor, as opposed to player skill. So I think Bomberman is very good. I think Moon Stompy is very good. I think Moon is a bit better than Bomberman, but uh, either option is possible. Yep. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I think that's about it um, as far as questions. Um, uh, Lawrence, let's, let's I'm going to ask you a question. Well, we had a couple other questions. Um, let's see here. Island Delver Go, Dominic Monfrey. I hope I pronounced that pronoun correctly. I'm not sure if it's Monfrey, Monfrey. 
uh, he asked, um, is medium or slow depths the best deck? How do you think the meta adjusts to fight it? What doors open this deck for other decks? And, you know, that was just about it. Um, I, I personally like the slower depth shells with Elvish Reclaimer, just because you get to play more of a mid-range game. You have a plan A and a plan B that seamlessly interact, and you can flip on a dime, uh, as opposed to the Turbo Depth Shell, which really is all in on plan A, and then occasionally gets to squeeze by on plan B. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Slow Depths is better. I mean, when you have a secondary game plan that also happens to benefit your first game plan while i mean because it the reclaimers are sorts of posture magnets slash prop routes so i mean they do everything for you the bobs are also targets like you basically have more ways to strip swords out of your opponent's hand and pressure them in certain circumstances so i i would definitely agree i don't think um i i missed the question because it was so like the other one and that was my apologies um as far as like what doors this is open for other decks, I really don't know because this deck is very tunable. It can be a black green rock deck that can combo you, and that's what's scary about it to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Legacy is an interesting spot. The tiers are pretty defined. There's an overwhelming uh, point towards just playing the most powerful effects you can think of in your color and having a proactive game plan that can go to fish well. If you can't do that, I think that you should probably look into another deck. Um, which basically is just saying, hey, don't play there. Uh, you know. All those miracle haters would like to bombard you. Where can they find you? Uh, Twitter.com backslash Lawrence Harmon, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E-H-A-R-M-O-N. And what about you, Steve? I'm at Twitter.com, and this is if you want to tell me how great Squad Hawk is. Backslash Raceland, I-M-R-A-I-S-T-L-I-N-I-M. And you can also hit us, hit either one of us up at uh, Twitter.com backslash Thirst for Cast. Yes, and... Uh, shout out to our editor, Kwame Gunn. Uh, he's on Twitter at TripodGun, T-R-I-P-O-D-G-U-N-N. Um, I mean, I don't I don't know if he wants you to harass him or whatever, but he edits our podcast. He does a great job. Uh, we're really happy to be working with him. And uh, Steve, we've recently been uh, reaching out to some other platforms, trying to get on there. People have been... Big sad that we're only on SoundCloud. Where else can you reach us? Uh, we are now on Radio Public, Spotify, Google Podcast. But I, you know, we're having we were off of it today, so I got to figure out what's going on with that. It's really kind of finicky. But we did get right before the cast, and I've already posted it to someone in um, on Facebook. iTunes. We are on iTunes. We're finally there. Thank goodness. It's been a fight. You got to like. Beg, plead. It's there's a border wall involved. I don't know. Maybe Trump owns iTunes. Who knows? <laughs> Conspiracy theory. Just saying. Getting back in. Ooh. I don't know. So you know, 
But I, we appreciate all of you listeners. And if you hung out this long, you are dedicated. You are thirsty, and you got them. You got some. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're at like two and a half hours. Jesus Christ. Who else? Who else is giving you two and a half hours of this sweet, sweet eternal content? Nobody. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Stay thirsty, my friends. Is that a copyright infringement? That, that probably is. Gonna have to think of something else there. <laughs> but yeah, good night, everyone.